Hello, everyone, and welcome into Debate Night. I'm Hunter, joined as always here by Brody. We're back in the studio. Feels good to be back. I'm in Virginia, baby. Yeah, you're permanently here. We're in. We are uh, Virginian, Virginian residents. Yeah, Virginian, Virginia residents. You're Virginian. I'm Virginian. You are Virginian. Right? Now. I'm, I'm Virginian now. You're a Virginian. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Virginian. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a Virginian. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man, but yeah, we got a great show uh, today. It's it's been a little bit crazy, obviously, with with everything that's going on. Um, obviously, our tournament's coming up, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, we got it's it. We literally just came into town on when was it Sunday? Yeah, sun or Saturday. You got in late Saturday. You got night. in Saturday. Uh, our stuff hasn't come yet. So we still are living basically out of our suitcases, which, you know, is interesting. It's not the worst case <laughs> scenario. Um, but yeah, we're here for the debate night and uh, we have one heck of a show. Yeah. Super excited. Also super excited to welcome live calls back. Yes. Uh, so calls. if you're watching here live on YouTube, you'll be able to call in. The number will pop up on the screen. I also think it's going to be in the description if it's not there already. Um, but we'll announce kind of when we get to that part of the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those platforms, we really appreciate you listening, tuning in. Go ahead and leave us a review if you haven't already. And if you're po- if it's possible for you to tune in one night and you have some uh, things that you want to debate, uh, feel free to do so and, you know, pop in, hop on a call and let us know what's up. Yeah. We love our discord server. It's absolutely incredible. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. But I think having the ability to where anyone that has a cell phone can call in now, I think that's what the people want. Yeah, for sure. And I think that gives, you know, potentially some of the people that might have some, you know, opinions that they don't really see eye to eye with us it'll make it easier for them to call versus like joining a whole discord server i also do want to take one second just to let our audio listeners especially but also people watching at home know connor's not here tonight so i just want to there's a chance that the audio sounds they like the reverb that's what that's what made me notice it because i think that's a sarcastic (laughs) comment we are in an empty space so if you hear a lot of echo it's uh is it on us it would be the echo of the room. So what do we need to do? We just need to we, we just need a curtain across. But oh, Connor's really okay. good at getting rid of that. Oh. Uh, so Connor's really good at making it sound like there's not echo. I am not good. Um, so I love if how that the solution happens, was just a curtain, and I was thinking we just need to fill this whole room with stuff. I will say if like a you pit. if you talk closer to your mic, it'll help some. Okay, sorry. I will talk as far, far as as close as I can. Is yeah, it gone? Is it, it just it's me? basically gone. Well, it's if if we're talking way back here, uh, pick up off that. But if I we're have, on our mic, people have told me I have a soulful voice. I don't know what that means, but I I think I agree. Uh, someone said you can just turn off Brody's mic and just use mine. I don't think that's good. Okay, um, of course. My mic might also be loud. I'm also not as good at mixing. So we'll figure that's it out. That's for the audio listeners. And if you're listening live, <laughs> basically just give me a break on all the technical stuff. Connor's not here this week. He's at a concert in Charlottesville. He's listening to his favorite band. So we'll give him a break this time. We'll, we'll make it work. Uh, all right. So two cool things that we have to discuss. One, our last podcast, I feel like was our best one so far as far as live goes. We had almost a thousand people in here at one point. Yeah. So that was awesome. If you watched live last week, we appreciate it. If you can watch live, awesome. If not, it's all good. And I thought it'd be uh thought it'd be fun to do a couple giveaways. I, I I am a fan of the giveaway. We did one on our Twitter today and I I love them. I won't stop doing them. <laughs> and I I think the people love them too. I'm a sucker for them. So we got two giveaways for you guys. We got the Photon Zone, which was a huge hit. 
Uh, we, we got a couple left of these bad boys. And uh, if you're interested, we got this guy. And then we got the Dark Horse Undertaker as well. So what, what do we have to do to give them away? So what we're going to do is we're going to do a 15K subscriber giveaway. Oh, sick. What are we at? So I think we're at 12,000 right now. I'm not, I'm not asking for promotion. I'm like, genuinely, I have no idea what you're I giving us away I for. Think, I think we're at 12,000 right now. I'll pull now. up the numbers right now, yeah. So if you haven't subscribed yet... Or if you're listening to this on audio, go over to our YouTube. We have a yeah. bunch of other podcasts and stuff like that for you guys to check out. Subscribe. Once we hit 15,000, then we will do the Photon Zone giveaway. Sick. And we're going to do the Dark Horse Undertaker. And you already kind of alluded to it earlier when we hit 100 reviews oh. on Apple Podcasts. We, I just looked, we have 60 now, 60, which we doubled since last. Podcast. So we'll definitely get to the undertaker first. Correct. Probably. So yeah, shout out so. to everyone that did that. Um, and if you don't know how to do it, just literally go over to Apple podcasts, find our podcast, scroll all the way to the bottom. Uh, you, you have the option of giving one to five stars. We would prefer if you did five, if you, if you so please, and then just write up a little review. Yeah. And what we're going to say too, is when you write your review, Make sure you leave like your Twitter handle or your Instagram handle. Let us know nice. where to find you. So that way, if we do, if you do end up winning, we can contact you. So just say Twitter at blah, 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 or Instagram at blah, blah, blah. If you don't have a Twitter or an Instagram, it takes five seconds to make it. Perfect. So, Perfect. Um, and I did double check. We're at 12,077 here on YouTube. Okay. So we're, we're making so you are Yeah. So 3,000 away. Um, and then, and yes, shameless promotions. I, I, I will do it every single time. You, if you, if you don't know who I am, then that is my MO, but I do want to read one of the reviews. That's one of our things we yeah. review every time. This was a, uh, this was a review from fresh monkey six, I believe. Nice. It says, uh, this podcast is like eating a stack of Mentos after drinking a pot of dark roast coffee, surprising, refreshing, and alarming while also quite invigorating and awakening. Do yourself a favor and follow this podcast. That sounded like a, a five gum advert. I might have to reach out to this guy to write advertisements for us in the future that sounded like you're about to be like uh what does it feel like when you chew when you chew five gum is it what's well, it's five right yeah five like yeah. all those like over the top commercials oh, and it was like, for sure yeah i like five gum. it also i think was the way you were reading it it sounded very it, radio I, yeah I, I went into my radio mode we don't have any ads right now but we are working towards it yeah so if you're dark horse watching this and you're like oh i own a company i want to advertise i was listening to a podcast the other day and their shtick was they just started. It was like a newer podcast. It's a big podcast. Should we now. make up our own ads? Is that what they did? But no, what they did was they just act like the producer forgot to send them their ads. So we'd be sitting here like, now, Smart. Connor, I, you didn't text me the ads for today yet. You know, you, you said you were going to get on that. <laughs> and like, they just like let this guy have it for like, five, it was like a, a minute of where the ad would be was them just being like, so are you going to text it to me? And the guy would be like, oh, I, I really thought I did. And like, oh, my airdrop's even on. You can just drop it in. Because Dang. they're like, oh, with how popular our podcast is, I know we have we ads. Have at least three ads. Yeah. They're like, I know, I know we don't actually have no ads with all these people <laughs> listening and like waiting to buy something off of us. And, and so that, that was their ad for a minute. I thought it was pretty fun. It got a good chuckle out of me while I was running. I like that. I but like that. that. I was going to say we could, we could definitely, uh, we could definitely make up our own ads. Yeah. I could, I could come up with some really good companies. Oh, you're, you're making up companies. Oh yeah. They're not real companies. Oh, I was thinking I'm not we going to get free ads. To no, someone. I thought we were doing like our own, like we just got an MVP shipment in. Oh no, no. no. I was going to say like shop it at foundation. I was going to say like com. Bucky's bubble gum. Thank you so much for the advertisement. Oh. <laughs> 
chew Bucky's bu- bubble gum until your mouth falls off. It'd be like the uh, like those Super Bowl commercials where they they do it for like a fake company or do something fake, yeah. and then you go to the website like Bucky's bubblegum.com exactly. and it actually exists. Yeah, like do you have problems with weak chin? We have a solution: Bucky's bubblegum. <laughs> Chew it, <laughs> and then I'm just I'm just building a new website every week for exactly. them to go to. Our GoDaddy account is out of control. Okay, so maybe all that right. loses us money every week. Okay, so that's a bad idea. All right, we're gonna get back on track here. So for last podcast, if you missed it, definitely go check it out. We had a lot of good stuff in there, but we dropped a Twitter poll about the drop zones because that was one of the big topics last podcast was these drop zone issues and how you know are we making the drop zones too easy. Do people like them easy? So I basically just put a, a, a tweet out that said, like, let us know what you think about hole eight's drop zone. Did you Do you want the death putt? That is what it was basically. Yeah. Or would you like to see it to where it was just move up to the shorter Where tee? they still had to throw across. Yeah. And so we had uh, over 600 votes and 65% said they liked the death putt. Now. 65 agreed with me. Now, hold on. Hold on. Because I have some information. I don't remember who it was, but someone sent me some information about statistics between 2021 and 2020, the MVP Open. For a little bit of context, 2020 did do what you were saying, where they had to proceed and then throw over the water a second time. 2021, they did more the death putt decision making. You can't, you literally couldn't throw it in the water twice unless you like air, unless you airballed the putt putt terribly. Correct. So yeah, 2020 was what I was saying should happen. 2021 is what you're saying should happen. So they only looked at the people that threw OB. So in 2020, 162 OB throws versus 2021 had 213, which makes sense. It was a hundred feet farther in 2021. You would assume more people are going to throw OB. Now, the interesting thing, though, is the average score. Even though more people threw OB in 2021, the average score was 0.6 higher in 2020. So when you're looking at when you're looking at scoring separation and really trying to make it to where if you make a mistake, it really penalizes you. It's clear that having a death putt is not going to do it because having a death putt allows, even if it's five, six, seven people, it allows those people to save their par where in the other scenario, you're basically having to throw a a, a field ace to save par. Now, one thing I would find interesting, well, I guess it doesn't, there's not really a good way to perfectly test this because they moved the T back. Because one thing that I would say is a slight flaw in the stats is this is only looking at people who threw OB and more people threw OB this year. Mm -hmm. So more people had to go to the drop zone this year, which could skew the data as far as like, like let's say that let's say that this year more better players through OB. Mm -hmm. So then they're going to be more likely to score better from the drop zone regardless. Whereas last year with it being shorter, better players might've been the players who are actually getting inbound. So they're not included in the statistic. I could see it. And that's right now. That's, that's one of the issues with doing these full, you know, full field statistics, right? Whenever you see the, uh, you know, this person had 18 strokes gained on the field. I don't like those statistics because some most, most of these tournaments, to be frank, half the people in the field shouldn't even be in the field. Mm -hmm. Like there is just such a huge gap where, Eventually, there'll be a time where we'll have a field of 100 people and 80 people could win the tournament. Yeah. You know, and right now... Right now, we're at like 140. 
and I'd say 20 to 25 could win. Yeah. And so on average. And and the bottom people drops off significantly versus I think as the tour progresses and more money comes in and stuff, I think the bottom isn't going to have this massive drop off of where you're seeing guys, you know, shoot 50 strokes worse in, yeah. a, in a three-day tournament. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. I do think it would be interesting had this hole not changed. Had the had the tee shot stayed in the same space and the only thing that changed was the drop zone progression. Then I think these stats would be a lot more interesting to me. Okay. Um, I think to me the only flaw in it was the fact that you moved 100 feet farther back this year. Yeah. So I think that that would skew the numbers just because there was a, a better chance of players going OB that could shoot better from the drop zone. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, like if you I, put, I don't, I don't think that many people from the from the drop zone are taking a a, a four, a five. No. You know, but that's what I'm saying is fives fives were coming into play when you had a because. Th- but how much of that is from the lower part of the field is what I'm saying. That's true. That's so true. if you if you basically. If you look at the higher part of the field and they go from the back drop zone or the back tee like they did this year, and then they had the, the 2020 drop zone where they moved forward. Yeah. No, you're pretty right. much most of them are getting up and down anyways. The only the only the only argument I could have against that is USCGC 17, where it's you know a super sm- sh- much shorter shot, and you see pros, uh, good pros, because no one at that tournament's bad. You, no. know, you have yeah, to qualify yeah. to get in there you see pros throw back-to-back OB shots. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, but I think I think it's one of those where if you, you're picking two things. You're either picking, I want to see the exciting par save, like death putt, like, oh, my God, he ran it and saved par, insane. Or you're saying, like, you want to punish people and see people potentially get big numbers. That Those are the two arguments. Yes. And so it just depends on what side of the fence you're on. Yeah, we did have someone ch- like chiming in saying that it kind of what your point was, the weaker players are getting bailed out with the lower score separation. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm understanding your point wrong, we're mainly looking at the top of the field, creating score separation there. Yeah. No, you want to make it to where if Eagle, Calvin, Ricky, whoever throws in the water, they're taking a four and they're not getting a three. Yeah. See, so and that's where I think our arguments differ is I think it's more exciting to give them the chance at risking a five running the three than it is basically guaranteeing their four by making it a 200 foot shot still over the water. Mm. That's where, that's where my argument comes in because every single person well, in that 200 case, feet's a little or 250 where every, I think it goes to, if it goes to the normal tee pad, a lot, 162 people threw it from that tee, uh, threw in from that tee pad. Now, how many of those people were bad? I'm not sure. If I remember correctly, so I'm pretty sure Paul, that's the whole pretty sure Paul last year threw it OB on that hole. It depends on which he threw OB on the hole. I remember. Was it the controversial one it. that got flipped? Ah, ooh, you might be right. Because that was like the weird. He was not OB. It was weird. He aced one. I think he aced one round, and then I think he threw OB yeah. another. Who knows? But if but, 162 for the whole event. Yeah, no, I know. Not I know, a lot of them are the top players. I know what you're saying, but again, it it could be. I'm just saying, where are we creating the scoring separation? Because you want to create it everywhere. You want to create it everywhere. The whole idea is like you want people to know that when they step up on the tee, if they throw a bad shot, they're getting bogey at best. That's what you want people to know. And right now it's set up to where if they throw a bad shot, they still go, all right, I'm just going to freaking jam this putt in. I'm going to jam this putt in. And then that doesn't really benefit the guy that threw it to 30 feet and just missed his putt and made a par, but he threw a much better shot off the tee. But then he messed up on the putt and the other guy threw a much better putt. 
Yeah, but I mean, I think it's just two ways to look at it. It just depends. Yeah, it depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about uh, the big tournament coming up. I'll let you. I'll let you kind of intro the, the Battle for Bedford. Yeah, I'll let you talk about the Battle for Bedford. Super excited! Uh, it's gonna man. It's coming up on us. It's gonna be uh, Friday is when it all starts. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three round event. The MPO is going to be playing New London, kind of our feature, hopefully future Pro Tour course um, in the area. And then we're also utilizing the other great courses in the area. So FPO, a lot of the age practice pros and some of the higher level AMs will be at Independence Park, which That's is probably uh, what you've seen. If you watch the Battle for Bedford last year, a lot of our videos, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest of the AMs and junior divisions will be playing Falling Creek and Manita. Um, so we're used a lot, utilizing four different courses this year, uh, running tea times for all the courses. It's by far the biggest event I've ever been in charge of. So I'm a little stressed with logistics, but I think I got it all figured out. I've got a good team kind of coming in and, uh, handling it all. So super exciting. Got a pretty sick feature card round one. I believe, uh, we still have to get the confirmation from the PDGA and from all the players, but assuming it all is confirmed, it'll be you, Paul, uh, Cody Bradshaw, who's the points leader for our local tour, and then Albert Tam. Uh, he's coming in town. So yeah, nice. uh, pretty sick. And the disc golf guy is going to be handling the coverage of mm-hmm. this event. So there will be coverage. You can watch uh, all three rounds. The we top players have, taken down. We should have London. a preview out on Friday. Me and yes. Paul are doing a practice round tomorrow morning. That should be out on Friday. So if you want to take a little sneak peek of what the course looks like. Yeah. I... It's interesting because I had a lot of people tweeting at me being like, oh, you, you, you stopped touring because the, these are the hard courses when in fact, like I actually like hard courses more. Um, this is probably, this would probably be one of the top three hardest courses on tour if it was a tour course. So I think, uh, so this is including, like I said, there's a pretty stacked field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a tour. Le- this is a B tier, yeah. mind you. So you have to remember the fact that we even have coverage and stuff like that going on. Is but the crazy. good players but that are here are good. The good players that are here are very good, yeah. uh, especially even some of the local pros that are above 1,000 rated. They are very, very good and know this course well. And I think that the winner will probably average from four to six or seven down per round is what I'm imagining. I think if someone turn, comes in with like an 18 to 20 under total across the three rounds, I think that's kind of the set to win in my mind. I could be wrong. You know, someone, I think I might, the course I, record is, I believe, 10 down. I was going to say, I'd be shocked if anyone shot double digits. I think that's the course record set by Paul, but that was like, he's played it a lot. He he will tell you that's like a, a great round. He's yeah. also shot over par out here. There are, so. there are a handful of holes that you feel are, I need to get this, but they're not gimme holes by any means. They're no. just... Like they would be like mediocre holes to like actually decently hard holes on other courses. But on this course, because some of the holes are so hard, they feel like I have to birdie this. Yeah. Um, but I love this course because just like what you said, you can go out there and shoot minus five, minus six. And then the next round go out there and not play that much worse and shoot four over. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting the player to win, to have like one or two really good rounds, like a five, or more under, like let's say maybe an eight under or something like that, but also have a round that's close to even. Yeah. That's what I'm expecting in my head. I love that. I love that watching versus, you know, some of these tournaments you go to and you're like, I'm going to shoot in between 10 and 14 under every round. Yeah. And there's just not really like an, an idea of like, I'm ever going to get close. Yeah, to And I think that's par. something that uh, I think that this area really sets up well for is if we are able to get a pro tour in the future is the course that the FPO is playing 
which is independence, mm. I think should score pretty similarly, maybe even a little bit harder score wise uh, over independence. We're pl- having them play like a mixed tee. Mm-hmm. Um, so the holes that I feel are basically, I made my ideal layout if I were going out there and playing it because some of the long tees are just, it's great if we're challenging the top MPO players in the world, mm-hmm. but when, you know, when you're no, running a yeah. local B tier, you don't want players playing on a lot of these tees. So we, I made it a mix of short and long. And I think I went out there and played it and I shot about even, which makes me think like Ellen Widboom, um, I believe a few other touring FPO players will be out here. And I would imagine they could shoot a few under par on a really mm-hmm. good round as well. So uh, I wouldn't be it's surprised. Gonna be it's going to be tough. tough. It wouldn't surprise me if they did shoot over, but I think it'll be close to the FPO rounds that we're seeing on tour to where I think that these two courses complement each other very well. And if a pro tour was able to come into town, mm. uh, be able to run very smoothly on both of these courses. So this is kind of, for me, a test run, uh, a proving uh, yep. moment of like yep. the layouts and everything like that getting a lot of feedback from these players who do tour and hear kind of what they think about the courses what they think about the layout the way the tournaments run uh we were in talks about it being a silver series this year it didn't work out with the match play championship but it does fit in the weekend to where hopefully next year or one of the years in the future we'll be able to make it a silver series and hopefully eventually a full-on pro tour so uh, yeah, definitely going to be exciting. And I think too, what we're doing here is we're kind of building almost a destination, a disc golf destination, right? Yeah. Where we want it to where if you're close to like the Lynchburg area, uh, come in, yeah, play these courses. Well, you can also you come do. spectate this weekend if yep. you'd like. The lead card goes off at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, over at New London each day. I'm gonna try to make the FPO go off a little bit earlier um, as well, so that hopefully people can kind of go over there, okay. watch some of that, and then pop over to new London, uh, and get to watch a lot of good disc golf this weekend. So if you're in the area, we'll also be vending, uh, foundation will be vending at the players party and stuff like that. And you yep. know, that's all open to the public. We'll so. have some good stuff out there too. Yeah. Some photon zones, TI swirl undertakers, lots of goodies. Uh, it's definitely, definitely, um, exciting weekend and hopefully signs of stuff to come in the future. But I also want to touch on last weekend, yeah, which GMC. was the GMC, mm-hmm. um, Brewster Ridge and, uh, shoot. What's the other name? Fox of run. Fox run. It's one of my all time. Like this is a goal course. This and Maple Hill are like two of the courses that I always want to play. I this feel like this watching Hill. it. I feel like it, I know they had worlds at it a couple of years ago. This is the, the, I think was it 2016 or 17 that Greg Barsby won 2018, 2018 watching it. It felt like looking at, again, I haven't played these courses, but watching the coverage, it felt like a better, a better setup than what our worlds were this year. So you had the Bruce Brewster Ridge, which was very demanding, technical wooded course. Mm-hmm. And then you had Fox run, which was more open, but equally demanding in the sense of like the amount of OB on the course. So you couldn't, you saw some people do really, really well on one style and then struggle on the other. So if you're looking for like the overall best disc golfer to that weekend, as far as wooded technical open bomber, kind of keep it in the fairway. uh, I think this one did that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, that's what, and it also just, it looks gorgeous because oh it's gosh. in Vermont. <laughs> at one point, yeah, at one point I was watching live and I literally was like, Kelsey, look at this shot. And it yeah. was like, I think it was Chris Dickerson or something uh, putting and like there was like rock sculpture or like rocks, like huge rocks kind of in the foreground and the background had like beautiful mountains and stuff. I was like, 
this is like this is what we could be so, selling disc golf like this say, look. to me this is kind of a look at what i personally think the future of disc golf will be because yeah. we know we know disc golf eventually is going to have to go to private land mm-hmm. right public land isn't going to work and the areas that make the most sense are kind of these ski resort type places because ski resorts they have great terrain they have they're normally on the side of mountains which that can be a plus or a minus, whatever. But um, they're in a they're in a situation where their down season is the disc golf season. You know, early going on. yeah, early in the disc golf season, uh, which is like that March, February, March range. Some mm-hmm. of them are still active, and I know ones at higher elevation are still active in the summer. But like ones around here, there's one a little bit away called Wintergreen. It's like two hours away. During the summer, they try to make it like a summer resort, summer camp. There's like a lake and stuff there. No one goes during mm. the summer. Soon as winter rolls around, they're popping. They're busy. They make enough to stay open year round. But if they could have an attraction like this, like mm-hmm. championship level disc golf, that could bring them another money maker over in the summer, I think that's something they would be open to. And that's what kind of Smuggler's Notch has done: has taken their wooded land, you know, the good land already have like stuff cut in to where it can kind of be this both ways, and it's on a private course to where they can really put time and energy into making it and keeping it just for disc golf, uh, and do really well with it. I wonder what, what do you think is the reason for like, not there? It feels like there's not as much, like I'm going to have a buddy's trip and me and my seven buddies are going to fly to blah, 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 stay there for five days and play disc golf. Is it because everything is free? And so like this notion of like, you're going to spend all this money to go play a course when you can play the 15, 20 courses well, in your area for free? Like what, why does not, not, why is that not happening? Or maybe, maybe it is happening and no one's really talking about it, but it does happen sometimes, but typically what it is, is it's more road trips and you're hitting a bunch of courses along the way because there's not a lot of places that like you go there and it's saturated like with resort really good of. courses. Okay. So like you go to but like in not golf, though, too. golf people will literally just go like I've had five to 10 golf trips where we just go and we play one course. Well, people will make a trip to like Maple Hill. Like I someday, and I'm sure it'll be for a bogey bro battle or something like that. We'll, we'll make the trek to Massachusetts just mm-hmm. to play Maple Hill. That's mm-hmm. my only goal when I'm there. People will do stuff for certain courses like that. But what's really common in disc golf right now is it's like the road trip. Like, yeah. It's like if I'm going to spots on the way, Yeah, like for me, it would be one, like one that I've done in the past was from here down to Georgia for a tournament. Mm-hmm. And we just hit, North Carolina courses. So we're driving like, you know, first day we drive like two hours, hit a course, drive another two hours, hit a course, spend the night there, drive three hours, hit a course, another two hours, hit a course, spend a night there. And then we're in Georgia. Okay. So you like, you plan out your kind of ideal, like these six, six courses on the way and make it like a more of a week long trip that way. But I mean, as the promotion and stuff gets bigger, I was gonna say it might be a money thing too, of just where like a, like I feel like more people in golf are okay with because everything's so expensive that it's if you went to a, a, a if you went to an average disc golfer and was like, hey, here's a trip. It's going to cost you fifteen hundred dollars, but everything's paid for, and you get to play disc golf as much as you want for the next four days at this location. I feel like a lot of people would be like, that's so expensive. Yes, and it depends Where, on what's included. So what you have to remember about golf is when you're going. There's a lot more than just the golf course there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's more of a 
a resort golf yeah. kind of vibe. Because if you like, come to New London, right? Like you make this long trek to you're New London. You're staying in a normal hotel. Yeah, you're going to you're staying in a hotel, and then you're driving to New London, and the course is and there. You're eating at Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, the course is there, but there's not a, there's a not, pro yeah, shop, a whole. And that's why I think like once experience. Yeah, once there's more of this whole idea, and and, and even on my golf trips, we didn't even do any of that stuff. Like I never went down and had like breakfast in the morning but a lot of people would uh, no a lot of people do for sure and you know they go to the spa and do exactly all that. for sure for sure but for me like i think there are other people out there that are just there for the golf um but it'll be interesting to kind of see as disc golf gets bigger grows more people kind of go into it to just see kind of how that works well i think a big part of it is the golf disc golf courses transitioning to private land because yes. they, I have heard of people going to smugglers notch with their primary focus being disc golf. I think that's it. And that's the thing is you can stay there. You can, you can take your family with you. Cause like going to like a local park is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, Cause like travel, who, that's the other thing is all over the place. let's say me and my wife wanted to go on a vacation. I'm there's no way I'm getting her to travel just to a disc golf course. No, unless it's for a tournament, like a pro tour or something, yeah. but I could very easily convince my wife to go to smugglers notch. Yeah, very easily there's stuff for her to do there's there. stuff for her to do and then i get to go play disc golf during yeah. the day i think once more courses have because that's what a lot of golf courses have it was probably yeah. it'd be very easy for me to get my wife to go to the Greenbrier mm-hmm. two hours away because mm-hmm. there's endless things for her to do and then i could play a really nice golf course yeah during the day i think that's that's key. a I whole think, big thing i think having having disc golf courses privately owned i think that's the next the next transition we're going to see yeah is the pro tour will make the transition into privately owned courses. They're already kind of doing it because that gives them enough control. Once that happens, it'll become more marketable to the everyday players. And once it becomes more marketable because of the pro tour, it'll start to become a better financial investment for people with enough money to get the land that can make these courses to build out a whole resort experience. In years past, it just wouldn't make sense because there's not enough disc golfers to pull from. So to actually fill out. Exactly. Yeah, right now, I think Charlotte could probably do it. There's certain but, spots for sure that could probably pull But if you're in off. the middle of, let's say let's say it was Idlewild, mm-hmm. you're like in Cincinnati, that might be a hard one to pull off five years ago. But now that it's, it's getting, getting bigger and bigger, it's like, yeah. hey, we might actually be able to pull this off because now we have so much more reach with mm-hmm. the Pro Tour and with other things. So I think the next step we're going to see is disc golf kind of going to that private course the smugglers notch the maple hill and, top type and vibe. you could theoretically you can put like three courses on the space that takes one golf course oh easily yeah especially so, if you make one of them a family-friendly course yeah it's so, like a resort style. yeah so like a little pitch and putt so like if i mean that's i think that's the trick is to to build it out to where you have multiple courses you can play um but yeah man it'll be interesting to see but yeah. yeah, I mean, GSC, GMC, yeah, you want to yeah, break results it down side, a little bit? I hate to say I called it, but on Grip Locked, I, I called it. Chris Dickerson takes it down. I actually had one, two. Chris Dickerson and Ricky were my mm. one, two. And then Paul, Paul might have been my, no, I think I had Eagle third. I had Eagle third. But Paul snuck in there at third, tied with Andrew Presnell on the MPO side. Uh, I knew Chris would make some noise eventually on this uh, wing. And it was kind of a similar story on FPO as far as like, a player who hasn't been winning that much this year. Actually, Haley King, this was her first pro tour win since the tour championship. It, yeah. I was gonna say regular season win yeah. in general. Uh, so Haley King took it down by one over Sarah Hokum. And then we had Paige Pierce, but it was a very similar story. Both sides of the players going into the final round with a commanding lead. You think, and they're just going to ride it home to victory. And then they hit a Rocky bump and met many challengers kind of throughout it, but we're both able to hold on. Yeah. And I posted another tweet about this asking before the tournament, I said, uh, who takes down GMC this week? And I did the whole 
Eagle, Ricky, Paul, Calvin. So some of the favorites, the top heavy guys. Uh, I did not put Chris on there. And I think a lot of that's just the fact that he hasn't been playing in tournaments. And I think maybe some people have just forgot about him. See, Trevor was saying the same thing. He, he only missed like four or five tournaments. He's played in the last couple. Yeah. Really? And he's been doing decent. Look, look up. Look like he's up, had himself look up, a good year. Yeah, look up what he's done the last couple Trevor, tournaments. Trevor and I just looked at this. I think we were talking about on Griplock. But 63% of you out there said that you wanted Eagle, Ricky, Paul, and Calvin. Only 36% said they'll take the field. I'm going to be very interested to see how this, how this, like what this looks like next year. If I put out the same kind of thing of like, hey, these are the top four like in the world rated guys, you know, ranked guys. Do you take them or do you take the field? Yeah, I think it's we're still a few. I think we're a few years away from disc golfers' mindset changing because if you, sh- I understand that a lot of players yeah, could but win. A lot of a lot of you got to remember. There's a lot of people that haven't been playing disc golf. Like I would say, it's not going to be that much longer before the majority of people that are following disc golf, playing disc golf, are newer. Yeah. Disc golf people. That's fair. And, and they basically now the people that have been doing disc golf for 20, 15 years, they're going to be in the minority in the sense of like, well, this is how we've been doing, you know, like, yeah. so this whole notion of like these people coming in, they're going to be like, Oh, I'm taking the field. Yeah. What the heck? That's the best odds. Cause I mean, it, cause if you're showing me that right now, even mm-hmm. after this season, that's been a much more wild you're season, still taking the top I'm four? taking the top four every, every weekend, really every single weekend, because how that's much, just my mindset. How much money would you have lost? I think over the course of the year, I'd make money. You think so? Now, I took those four. Calvin. Eagle alone won, five, won four. Paul won one. Ricky won two. Calvin, I think, yeah, won two. Yeah, it'd be two. close. It'd be close, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a I lot. Think, but I think next year, it's going to be even That's less. what I'm saying. We're a I few think. years. We'll see. We'll see. We have to. One, once I go through a few seasons of like, man, those top four guys have been coming in the top the five, Euro- but they the haven't Europeans won. The Europeans are coming, man. That, that Euro- is also very Jackie true. Jackie Chin. He's, what do you think he's been doing? You think he's he's been over I there? I forgot about that name. Yeah, he's been over there just grinding. He was what ten? Uh, you don't care about don't rating. don't talk you don't to care about ratings. But he he was competing with yes. some of the top U.S. talent over there. That is true. And uh, yeah, he, he if you don't think he's over there grinding, but so uh, Dickerson has been on tour since Deglo. Okay, so he did Deglo. What do you do at Deglo? Thirteenth. Okay. Ledgestone seventh. Okay. Idlewild twelfth. Okay. Delaware, which was a national tour, seventeenth. Maple Hill 17th and then when at GMC. So this is, so he has been out there. This is, I think this is the issue that we're having right now is, is the lack of storylines, the lack of media and, and also just the lack of coverage. Because if I'm watching live coverage, right, because they have so few cameras and they're so top heavy, which is fine. I love that, especially late in the tournament. I only want to see the people in contention. Yeah. Unless someone throws an ace or someone does something something crazy. crazy. That's fine. Uh, don't, don't show me someone that's 15 shots out that just threw an upshot. I don't want to see that. But the problem is like the lack of coverage. I, I did not, I could not have told you well, that's what in, I, in those tournaments. I've been hearing a lot of people. I didn't see him on live coverage ever. I've been hearing a lot of people say like, well, Chris is just doing the same thing where he's not touring. And I'm like, he really only skipped the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. You see, it sounds like he just skipped like the couple tournaments out West. That's it. 
Yeah, because he played the early out west swing mm-hmm. and the Texas swing. He mm-hmm. played all of those. Mm-hmm. Then he came to Tennessee, North Carolina area for like Huck Central. I think like the Knoxville. Champ- he played a few in this area, and then he went right back on. He tour. played a lot more this year than he did yeah. in previous years. Yeah, but I, I mean that's been a storyline that I, you're not the first person I've heard say that. I've heard several people say like, "Man, well, I wonder where Chris could have been if he played a lot this year." And I'm like, "He did play a yeah. lot this year." I think it's just it's just one I of the, still it's one I of those still coverage him, things. If you don't yeah. see him on coverage, you're just assuming that they're not there. I still put him in. Pretty close to my top five. Like we didn't see overall e- player. We didn't see Eagle at all this weekend. No, and but and that was another he thing. battled himself back. People were coming after in the comment section. People were coming after Trevor after the last grip lock because Trevor was picking Eagle. And um, I forget what he said about Eagle. Oh yeah, or he picked. We Eagle both to picked. Win Eagle. We both G- picked Eagle. GMC? Trevor picked Eagle to win. I picked Eagle in thirds. So people were coming after us, and they're like, "Oh, where's Eagle now?" And I I remember I responded acting as Trevor, but it was me. If I responded to you, that was me. Uh, and I said. Um, Eagles one good round away from a top 10 mm-hmm. and then the next day yeah, he balled out sure enough and he popped yeah. into seventh place that's so, what we call like not back, in contention that's what we call like backdoor so like someone like Ricky Fowler in golf is is uh is, what's the word what am I what's the word synonymous no Syno- synonymous for doing this is that sound yeah, right synonymous. okay of where he like he'll never really be in contention but he'll always like when he, it doesn't matter and he knows he can't win and there's not really any pressure on him. He'll just shred. He'll just backdoor his way into like a top five. Yeah. But I mean, obviously Eagle has won, so it's, it, he's not like that, but that's what, but that's what he did this that's weekend. What he, did this weekend. he was never in contention to win, but he snuck his way up he there to where his way up. He's in I think he got seven. So, um, some, some, some issues that happened at the GMC mainly from, you know, players, Players that don't complain a lot, you have some guys on tour that they'll be like, the water was dry. There was no water here. (laughs) When in fact, like the person's showing up with extra water, they're like, well, when I got there, there was no water, right? There's some people that will complain about everything and some of the stuff that just doesn't matter. But this week we saw a lot of, or this past weekend, we saw a lot of players that normally don't complain ever. You don't ever hear from them. Uh, post about how bad the tee pads were at Brewster. Um, and I have a video that we were going to try to, sh- eventually we'll be able to start throwing videos. We could have, but I was stressed with other yeah. things. Connor's not here. That's all I have to say. <laughs> we're lucky we're live, but there is a video. There is a video. That's very show. scary looking from uh, Zachariah Johnson was throwing. Yeah. He was throwing a forehand. Kevin Jones had a couple of times on live coverage where you could see him slip or even like just be disgusted, like going up to the tee pad and you can just see his foot is just like, as he's like testing it is just sliding on it. Like it's, you know, ice and you can see him disgusted. And, um, you know, this is one of those things of where it's, it's a bad look. It doesn't look good, but then also the most important thing is player safety. Yeah. And luckily this year there hasn't, as far as I know, there hasn't been a serious injury that has occurred from bad T pads, but I don't, I don't know when, they will take a stand and say, Hey, we're not coming to this event until these T pads are taken. Well, that's what I'm, I've been, I've been very surprised that we're at this point with the pro tour being as big and prominent as it is. And there's not an official basket of the pro tour. Yeah. That's wild. And the, the pro tour doesn't have like official T pad standards, if that makes sense. Standards. Yeah, for sure. I, I could see Size where you can't. Stuff. Yeah. I could see where the pro tour is like, we can't bring turf with us every week. Although they might be able to like roll it out somehow. I don't know. But regardless, I, I'm the official basket I'm surprised by because like 
sleeves are most of the time pretty universal. So like the pro tour could roll in and be like, Hey, Discraft paid us who knows how much money to be the official basket of the pro tour. When we come into your event, we're pulling your baskets and we're putting in the Discraft change yeah. or whatever. But the, and then the T pads being like, Hey, we're considering this event for the uh, thing before we can even come out there. Just make sure your T pads match this, this, and this specification. It could even be material wise. Like make sure you have turf T pads that are, x by x diameter like yeah measurements or something i mean player safety needs to be number one at all times and then right right behind that needs to be spectator safety yeah like those two things need to be always taken into account it is very very surprising we've made it this far in disc golf without a serious there's incident one, there's they're close and it's like there's been several close and that's the thing i don't want to have happen i don't want to have a, a player blow out their knee blow out something and then the the pro the pro tour says, Oh, we got to do something about this. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, I don't want to see that because well, also you have to wonder a lot of times spectators are there and didn't sign waivers or anything like that. Insurance wise. So that's if a wild. player, yeah, that's wild. If, if a player just domes someone mm-hmm. with a forehand mm-hmm. and they need stitches or maybe it knocks them out or something, what happens? What if they tried a suing the player or B suing the pro tour? You got to think about, I mean, there might be some of these, some of these events where the spectators are paying to spectate, there might be some type of like, check this, whatever, but it is very much every sports, every sports event you go to. If you like read the back of the ticket that you bought, it's basically says all that stuff on there. Is that covered with the pro tour? Is that covered with the PDG? Who knows? Who knows? Because also you could, you know, at some of these tournaments, the parks are still semi open. Right, you could hit someone just a random passerby. You could just hit some. Dark there, horse events dog do walker. have every event does have insurance that mm-hmm. it protects you from stuff like this. But I don't know about players like if they tried to come out because that's why um, Innova, for instance, you might actually not know this because before you got in the sport, Innova went through this whole situation. I don't, forget, I don't remember exactly what happened, but they had to put on the bottom of their disc like um, something along the lines of like for disc golf use only. Mm. or something like that and part of the issue was so like there's a pre that and a post that and part of the issue was like someone in a park got hit and tried suing the manufacturer interesting they tried going that route and somehow putting like for disc golf use only protected because you should be playing on a course and if you get okay it was some, i forget the exact Wacky. technicalities it was when i was first getting into the sport that i heard about it it was also probably like back in the day where like people were just suing everyone it's like you you know the person that sued for mcdonald's for the look at the disc do, do discraft just say it disc oh, golf use only no i don't think there's anything i wonder on if there's there. like packaging no there's not anything on here interesting and for some reason i feel like innova doesn't have that on there anymore but there's definitely hopefully someone in the chat or comments can it's made can in the know US, what that happened. it's made in the usa though um, um, the other, yeah, yeah. Kind of going on this and safety. Let's, let's talk a little bit too about, uh, inside the ropes and who, who should be inside the ropes. And then a little bit about like spectator, like s- s- where not, not spectator, sorry, spotters, like the, the volunteers and stuff where they should be, because there were, there have been, and there will continue to be issues with people being in the way. And also, the inside the rope situation at one point, and again, there might be some people watching this be like, oh, that was sick. FPO, I believe it was hole 18, the final hole, and there was obviously a big backup, and some fan just came up 
and started like asking, and I'm sure they probably did it from a distance. And one of the players was like, that's fine, whatever. She like ended up walking up and was like five feet away from the T-pad and walking around getting her disc signed. And the commentators loved it. And we're like, oh, look how awesome this is. Awesome, awesome. And it's one of those things of where you, at a, at a certain point, it's not going to be awesome. At a certain point, well, it's, I, to, that, it's already not awesome. Well, no, it looks bad. I, in my opinion, it looks bad. It's was was it like a kid or? Uh, she was probably under 22, 21. So she was like a upper teenager. Young she was adult. definitely she was definitely old enough to drive. Okay, so see, like that's not cool to me because like I've had it. I've been walking with Paul before and had like a five year old or six year old run away from his dad while Paul's in the fairway and be like. Paul can sign this disc and then Paul's like, uh, yeah. And signs it cause it's a kid. And the dad's like, I'm so sorry. That moment. It is what it is. But that, it, that happens but in the it, NBA. But the, no, it doesn't. Yeah. You don't, you haven't seen the moment where like a kid literally broke away from his mom and sprinted out and hugged Kevin Durant. Oh, okay. Kevin Durant, yeah. Like, hugged it happens in soccer back. too. Like little kids. Yeah. Like, like a little, little kid kids. doesn't know. For sure. Yeah. Once you're old okay. enough to understand, I thought you were saying, a, a, little, I thought you were saying a little kid was asking for an autograph. I was like, no, no, the kid don't. like ran to hug yes, Kevin Durant. Yes, yes, yes. And that's a little kid. He asked Paul for the autograph, but to me, that's a similar thing of like hugging Kevin Durant. Okay. But, uh, as far as like whatever. Yes. But when it goes to, once you're old enough to have awareness, I guess because they're on a backup, maybe it was like a oh they're they're not doing anything right now. Well, again, it's, the, it's but they're the, still in the middle of the round. Yeah, again, it's this whole, this whole idea of like there isn't really a, a good separation between the people that are there to entertain and the people that are there to watch. Yeah, like there's not a good enough separation well, to I think where it makes what, people. And again, at golf, you go to PGA Tour events. The spectators are talking to players as they're walking. Sometimes they are. If there is a backup, they will talk. But like the players also have caddies. And also there is a decent division between the players and the spectators. A lot of times it's a player's choice to go uh, over in exactly. that Exactly. Yeah. It's the player's choice. And if the player decides not to engage with the crowd, no one views the player as, oh, that guy sucks. Disc golf, if the player's like super focused and like trying to figure out what to do with the next shot and doesn't you know, do something with the crowd, the, the crowd's going to like, be like, well, that guy sucks. He's a jerk. And I don't think that's fair to the player. So, so here's a question. It, it is what it is though. But some, at a certain point, it's going to be a problem. Here's a question. A big problem. Who should be allowed inside, inside the, ropes. the ropes? And like, yeah, I guess, it, Caddy, I guess should there be like a tier? Caddies and media. That's it. So each player gets one person. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, each player gets a caddy. Okay. Yep. And does the caddy and have then, to be like carrying their bag, a so certified well, caddy? Well also, or? there's a difference. There's a difference between like inside the ropes and like, and like, so media, certain media people. I'll just explain what the PJ Tour does because I've I've been inside and, and and kind of seen exactly kind of how it goes down. So you have the only people that are standing on the tee pads, for example are going to be the players and the caddies. That's it. And then you have the media that is like directly connected to the PGA tour. Mm -hmm. So they're photographers, they're video, the people that are broadcasting people that are filming stuff for like, uh, documentaries or slow motion stuff, like after the fact highlight stuff, those people kind of have reign of where they're going. The broadcast people can go wherever they want and you need to get out of their way. They have like ultimate reign, ultimate reign. So that's of, the disc golf network. Correct. And then you have outside of that, then you have like other media and journalists, right? 
and lumped in there a little bit is like VIP stuff. Okay. Right. So there's been times where I was there, I was there and, and really I wouldn't consider myself a VIP. I was there doing like social a lot of times for them. That was one of the reasons why if I didn't have a big social presence, I would not have been invited to these events, but you would see, I, I was there, uh, with what's his face. One of the guys from, um, what's that? What's that group? The five dudes, singers, uh, one direction. One of the no, that could have been anyone. Sorry, one of the One Direction guys was there one time. Tom Holland has come out a couple times. Uh, Charles Barkley has come out. Uh, you name it, like those people come out, and when they come out, they're not like doing social media stuff. They're just they just can't be. In they can't the be in the crowd, crowd yeah, because they just they'd be swarmed. So they are kind of lumped in, but they normally hang back a little bit. And then the journalists that are writing that are going to like write stories and stuff like that for the internet. They're there too, but there's like this division of where things are happening and all these people have to get clearance before they go in. Mm -hmm. And if you're like a VIP or anything, you have like a PGA tour handler with you. So if I'm inside the ropes, I have a PGA tour handler. So they make sure that I'm not going anywhere that I shouldn't, that I'm giving space to where I need to do all that stuff where right now, Sometimes you look and it's just like, it's like a free reign of where it's like, oh, look, there's four pros that have already finished and they're just like talking to people. And it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. So let's say, in, it, yeah, go ahead. Let's say in golf, because this is something that I'd be interested in even happens in golf since you want to compare it uh, directly there. I mean, it's let's, basically the same thing. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, yeah, I don't know if this happens in golf, but it definitely happens in disc golf. Let's say that Rory finishes his round yeah he teed off a little earlier in the day mm -hmm. he wants to go watch ricky fowler never happens let's say he did okay where does he go he's probably like realistically he's probably watching on tv but like if he if he went and walked the is only he automatically time is Ryder a vip cup. the only time is Ryder cup okay so in Ryder cup Ryder cup are they is, in the crowd no Ryder cup they're inside the ropes okay so but they're not talking to the players interesting okay yeah. So there is some, is it like they know we don't talk to the players or is there like a, a standard or a rule of, you don't they talk might, to the I mean, they might Ryder cups, a different Ryder cups, a different element because it's a team sport, right? So it is a different element. And when I say they don't talk to the players, I mean, they're not like on the T pad all like the whole team on the T pad chatting. There are times where like, you will see some of the, 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 you know, the Phil Mickelson's, the Tiger Woods, them, they might, as like a player's walking to their ball or walking between holes, they might come up and like whisper something in their ear or say something that has happened. So there isn't this, like, if you talk to him, you're disqualified, but it's the Ryder cup. It's a different, it's a different situation because there is no teams in the PGA tour. And so the only time I have ever seen in, in someone watching this, if you can prove me wrong, I always love to be proved wrong and I would learn and move forward. I have never seen another PGA tour professional on a hole outside the 18th green, the 18th green tons of times you will have players waiting. And when you see someone win and they walk off, they normally go caddy first wife. If they have them kids, if they have them, then their manager agent. And then as they're walking to do their scorecard, then they get hit with their buddies that are also it, yep. on tour. But I have never seen a PGA tour player like chilling on hole 14 after the round watching someone. It just doesn't happen. 
I just think that's an interesting because I think that's part of uh, in takes, disc golf. That's a lot of times what it takes it away. Man. In disc golf, that's, I think that that's why you wouldn't see it round one or not even round one when hole one starts. There's always really good separation. It seems to be between the crowd, mm-hmm. a little media section, players. Mm-hmm. By hole eighteen, the crowd has kind of inched their way up to the media section. The media is kind of bumped up, and when there's a backup, they're kind of a conglomerate group to where. I could be literally within five, six feet of the players. And I think part of what that is, is players, sometimes good friends who aren't caddies, stuff like that will show up to the round as the round goes on. Why? Why? Just because they want to, I don't know. Be on coverage? I don't know if it's necessarily on coverage, but sometimes, sometimes it's... If it wasn't being filmed, would they still show up? Yes. If it's a lead card or if there's a gallery, yes. No, no, there's no one there. There's, there's no spectators. There's no anything. Then you should, if you're going to, if I, if, if you, if you're my buddy yeah. and I'm like, dude, I'm going to help you this year, however I can, yeah. right? Whether you're on lead card fifth or whatever, if I'm done, look at it this way. Look at it this way. Look at the boyfriend, girlfriends on tour, right? The boyfriend after their round or the girlfriend before her round or however the T pads are, they're always there regardless whether on lead card or seventh card or whatever, that is not the same if it, if, if it was a guy and guy. It doesn't exist. Some dude is like not you, showing up to fifth card to caddy for you for five holes. Sometimes, but I mean, I see what you're saying. I see, it's, I, if I was on lead people card, are doing I'm way more they, likely to get a caddy. People are doing it because they want to be on coverage. That's, uh, that's just say just say how it is. Well, I don't know. I People don't think it's want to coverage. Be on camera. I don't think camera. it's necessarily coverage. I think it's they want to be seen in front of the gallery that is there. They, w- they want to be seen regardless. W- eyeballs yeah, regardless. Coverage in the sense of like people. They, it doesn't yes. matter. Whoever. My, but I think my that's argument the, is if there was no one there and the only people there are the four people playing and the UDIS person or whoever it is, those you would not see people. There wouldn't be nearly as many. No, no. I would almost say zero. There would be some because there's some that are just like I don't want to call them good friends and bad friends but there's some people who are like truly like hey I'm walking with you no matter what like there's some friends on tour I've seen I'm them. pretty good friends with you if I finish five holes before you there's no way yeah I'm coming back and, and walking I'm just another saying five I've holes five holes is a different story than no, the, I that, finished but my that, round. But that's, that's what's happening ta- on that's, coverage. That's sure. what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. But I'm, I am saying there are people that would do that. That's completely irrelevant yeah. to the topic. You're, t- you're the majority, talking about like I finished at eight o'clock. I finished at 10 o'clock. You finish and morning, I'm on hole two. And yeah. Yeah. And you're, and I told you I was going to caddy for you. Yeah. Then you're yeah. coming regardless of if there's a thousand people or zero people. Fine. Yeah. Sure. But there are people that are like 99%. Yeah, and sometimes they're not even friends. Sometimes it's just like... They want to get uncovered. I know this guy's... But that's what I'm saying is I think that when players and stuff like that, the the like people who are in charge of crowd control are too uncomfortable. Like, let's just use you. Let's say that you finish your round. Uh-huh. Paul is five holes behind you. Yep. And you're like, hey, I'm going to go walk with Paul the rest of the round. No. I'm the guy... But let's say you did. Okay. I'm the guy holding the quiet sign. You walk by me. I would be like, if I'm a guy holding the quiet sign, I'm just a volunteer. Uh, I'm not going to try to call the scene and be like, Hey Brody, get behind the rope fan. No, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what's happening is then Puts you're in a up. Tough spot. And so then, cause I've heard this happen before, right? Mm-hmm. Where I have a media pass, I'm doing social media, doing whatever a player or someone will finish their round. Come talk to me mm-hmm. to get inside the ropes. So mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, no, I'm just talking to Hunter real quick. Talk to me for literally two seconds. 
in now you're in it. They're in. Yeah. Okay. Then other people from the gallery will start to surround me. Where yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to get social media stories. I need to be in front of the gallery. Yeah. So I have to inch forward mm-hmm. because now I, it's my job. I have to be, have a clear shot. I inch forward. The gallery inches up to me to where eventually like it's happened at Ledgestone. Like Nate Heinold's come up to people and been like, hey, you need to get back there. And they'll be like, well, so-and-so's up there. I'm talking yeah. about a player or someone who is kind of on that in-between where they have rights to be inside the ropes part of the day. Kind of, yeah. Because they're a player or a media for other people or whatever, but they shouldn't be on lead card mm-hmm. doing it. You know what I mean? So then it kind of inches it forward to where it blurs that line of there's not like it. It's there, almost like there needs there, to be a two-rope system. There needs to be. Well, no, there needs to be one rope. There is one rope right now. Not but really. There's not a solid rope. There there's need, a rope exactly. that, there needs, that there needs, they let people through. There needs to be ideally a rope that's like there and not moving. Not a not a moving rope. Oh, so you're saying put the spectators on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the play. We'll see. Obviously, some courses you can't do that and you need to have the I spectators think the, behind. I think the rope the way it is right now is fine, but the volunteers need to be given the authority to say these are the only people that are inside the ropes. You have the authority to put quick kick anyone else outside of the ropes. Mm-hmm. If they don't oblige, call the TD. Well, also, I think, I think, yeah, I think there needs to be, because they need to have the authority to kick. If you show up to Paul's card, five holes left, they should have the authority to say, Brody, get behind the ropes yeah. or you can watch the disc golf network. But like, yeah. cause I think that's where that blurred line happens. I don't even know how we got to this topic. Yeah. But here We're, we are. We're going we're gonna to skip on through. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a situation. We're going to go straight into uh, another tournament that's happening, not the Battle for Bedford, but the, uh, the Disc Golf Match Play Championship. Oh, heck yeah. I didn't, bring my, I didn't bring my bracket. It's fine. We're not going to really talk too much about it. Basically, okay. for you guys that don't know, uh, there's a Disc Golf Pro Tour event this year uh, that is match play. And if I am not wrong here, it's the first match, play, like the first legit match play tournament. Mm, first one like since heavily promoted yeah yeah there's been some like amateur yeah i'm sure there's been some ones but like the first like one with like some of the top yeah other than the the, the world yeah uh, other than the major about we're gonna see next year oh there you go can't wait fourth major uh i don't know if you can see this if you're watching on youtube no way they're reading that okay but basically something that i found was uh, kind of interesting was there wasn't actually a, a printable bracket no but they did they did tweet where you could fill it out. You could fill it out online. Interesting. That was made by PDJ Stats. Oh, that wasn't made by the Disc Golf Pro. Tour. Yeah. So we were, so backstory. Earlier today, we printed out. We were trying to find a printable bracket. We printed out the picture that they had put out, right? And because we were just going to use it for our office to like have a little bracket challenge. And then we were like trying to figure out a way to get all of you guys to fill out a bracket with us. Mm-hmm. And we were struggling, struggling, couldn't figure it out. Literally about the exact same time, the Apparently Pro Tour figured it out. We didn't know tweets <laughs> that you can fill it out. It's a site that we were on. I'm just I missed it. We option. have no idea. But, but that, when you go to it, it does say organized by PDJ Stats. Okay, fair enough. So if you want to do that online, check that out. We uh, we will be doing our own little challenge at Foundation. I think we're gonna have everyone fill it out. I mean, I guess. Paul's not on here, right? He's not playing. Paul's not playing, no. So Paul could theoretically fill it out too if you wanted to. Yeah, if you wanted to. I think we decided that the, what do we say? The loser. The loser, all of the, everyone who beats this, whoever the last place person is, gets to collaborate on a t shirt. Oh, yes. That the loser has to wear in the next 
Video, podcasts podcast. or piece of content they're in yes because there's a chance that it's like silas or carson who are just in the warehouse and we'll just have to no we'll inter- well they're going on grip they'll just for have to get 15 on 15 minute interview yeah wearing that or shirt. i'm just sitting here debating the crap out of them and or they don't know what to do possibly even funnier they have to sit in the background of grip lock with no mic that might be better <laughs> they just- that might be better but we will probably go uh i, I know you guys are going to talk about this on grip locked yes we're going to go then, through match by match on grip lock and then maybe we can do uh a quick one on the bogey banner when i jump on there yeah and talk about and talk about three. years yeah um but yeah check that out uh it, it's it's going to be interesting and i think the real question is really how these guys are going to be able to handle the different strategy involved in match play because it is going to be very different than stroke play where you know hole three and the other weird thing too which i don't know if this is across the board with disc golfers that aren't familiar with golf but they're only it looks like they're only doing 12 holes and that is like unheard of in golf you have like i'm 18 like you don't, you're not doing 19. You're not doing 17. You're, you're playing 18 holes of match play. 12 is an insanely low number to where if someone gets hot early or makes a couple putts early, or someone makes a few mistakes early, like the, it could be almost over because again, it's one of those things of where you're just playing against the guy next to you and you can strategically change your game plan based off of what they're doing. And now I'm almost forcing your hand to, you're going to have to go for shots. You're gonna have to do stuff that maybe puts you in a spot where you didn't practice for, or you weren't, uh, it, it might not be your go-to shot. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how these guys play 12 holes. It's going to be wild. It's on a golf course. It's going to be long. So if you want a little like insider help, uh, if, I mean, most of these guys on here, they're all top, what is it, top 10 guys? 16. Is it 16? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's 16. Technically guys. 18 because Drew and Paul couldn't show up. There's legitimately the shortest thrower on this list is probably Chris Dickerson or Emerson or Chris Clemens. No. Uh, yeah, probably Chris Clemens, Dickerson, Keith, or Freeman. Freeman bombs or Con- Conrad. Are yeah. probably the shortest throwers on this list, and then none of them. And all those guys throw far, yeah. so uh, you can't really just be like, "Oh, I'm just going to pick the people where, that throw far." They all throw far. Where did you see twelve holes uh, on the U disc? And they have oh, the, like the layout. the layout. So like on the course U-disc. itself is only twelve it's holes. Twelve holes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting uh, on the women's side. If you don't pick Paige or Cat, you're probably you probably aren't Haley win. King. I think Paige Cat or Haley King, considering it's a golf course. Haley King could sneak in there, but Haley King has to beat Cat and Paige. That's the only difference. She would have to beat Cat and Paige. Yeah. Paige and Cat only have to beat. Well, well not only have to beat. Cat has to beat Haley and then Paige, but like. Yeah, but they would have to face each other. I once. feel like Cat's going to be heavily favored. Would be, he- uh, you know, if this was a betting thing, I think Cat would be heavily favored in that. So. Yeah. Um, I think Paige is overall the, the heaviest favorite. She, she should win it. Yeah. She should, I mean, she should win almost every tournament she's in, but we'll see. And then the last thing we're going to talk about, and then we're going to uh, open it up to calls. Can you, are you able to throw the number on there? Yeah, I'll throw the number yeah, up now. Throw the number on there. So get ready to call in. Um, we're going to talk about who we think had the best regular se- season this year on the pro tour. So excluding national tour events. Um, I mean, there's only one answer. Who you have? Eagle. You can't you can't say someone had a better season okay. than Eagle on the pro tour. I can actually. There's I will disprove that 100%. I can. Okay. So, I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to tell you what their world rankings is. Okay. 
And I'm also going to tell you how many wins they had, how many of those were silver series and how many top fives they had. Okay. So Ricky world ranked number one right now. He has five wins, two of which are silver series and he has 11 top fives. Okay. Eagle world ranked number two. Mm -hmm. He has four wins and eight of those were top fives and, and, and eight top fives. Calvin world ranked number four has two wins, one silver series, 11 top fives. So that's pretty insane. And then Paul is world ranked number three right now. He has one win and seven top fives. So I think looking at it, it's easy to... Are you counting top fives with silver series as well or top fives? Yes. And yes. Okay. So see... So I think it's easy right now... everything. Hold on. I think it's easy right now to drop Calvin and Paul. They're not even in the question. Yeah, but that skews Rick. But hold on. Ricky right now has one less win on, you know, if we're talking elite series, not silver, one less win than Eagle. Okay. And then also, I don't know. I don't know if you can say, well, Ricky went to more tournaments. If, if that should be, <clears throat> if that should factor in, it's not no, his not. fault. It's not his fault that he went to more tournaments. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> but Eagle, on, Eagle skipped <clears throat> silver series events. Okay which are not elite series events. Okay. I don't think silver series should factor into the best player of the year. Why not? Why would they? Cause it's a disc golf pro tour event, but it's their like, it's would you factor a web.com event? If tiger, would you factor up? in, are you factoring Santa Cruz? Cause that was one of the worst fields. There was like 80 people in that. I'm not factoring. There was, there was I, 80 people in that field. Was masters cup, a masters national cup. tour. That was a national tour. Was it a national tour? Yeah. Oh, well then, then I'm not factoring national then, tours or silver series. Then, I'm focusing just, pro tour. Let me just silence myself real quick. But I think Ricky's won four pro tours. I, Ricky has won four pro tours. No, three. Sorry, three. And Eagle has won four. The thing is, though, is like it gets tricky. Like obviously, you can go in here, and that's what the world rankings do, right? The world rankings go in and look at the strength of the field and do all that stuff. Eyeball test. It's like obviously it's Ricky or Eagle. Yes. You, you. You. Everyone else. If you if you're trying to argue for them. That's just because you're a fanboy and you're not actually looking at uh, the statistics of what's going on here. I think you can go either way. I think you can go either way, Ricky or Eagle. I think it's pretty clear, Eagle. Personally, I think. I now, think, if I will yeah, say, I think. I think. Man, I don't know. If there were more, I. I think. I think there were more courses that played to Eagle strengths when it came to golf courses. Yeah. I still. Don't let that sound like a slight on Eagle because I consider Eagle the best player in the world, talent-wise, everything right now. I mm -hmm. think the only thing he's lacking is just the mental strength that comes with experience that Paul and Ricky have, basically. So when it comes down the wire, you will still see occasionally yeah. Eagle crack. Sure, but you I mean, won't you see Paul and Ricky crack. I know, as but much. we're not looking at like who who has the best potential or who. I'm not looking at that. I'm saying Eagle. Yeah, they might have had like one or two more that played to his strengths in the golf course. But Ricky's very good on a golf course as well. Eagle won more. And I think the only time, the other thing that skews Eagle is he had that really bad finish at Waco when his back was injured. Well, it doesn't skew him that much though. Like, again, I think that's like, to me, that's the only slight in a season. But I think, I think when you're looking, especially as, especially as the field gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it gets harder and harder. Like I did top fives. I'll say, this. I think eventually you, you'll have to throw in top tens probably. Cause I think top tens will be impressive as well. I think you're going to see some players have off weeks. And when there are more and more good players now, 
Eagle, Ricky, Paul, all these people could slip into not even a top 20 finish where right now, if one of these guys doesn't fit in the top, top 20, you're like, what the heck happened? Right? So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes forward. I think you can go either way. I think you can go either way. If Ricky wins USDGC, I will concede to him being the better player this year. Oh, for sure. I USDGC, think whoever, I think whoever finished, if, if one if of them, Calvin wins USDGC, it sneaks him back in. Same with no, Paul. No, yes, no, no. Majors hold so much more weight in my opinion, especially USDGC. Paul, Paul, would I would have put two James wins. close to mine. Paul would have two. That wins. would be his third elite series or major. No, he's only has one win this year. No, he has a national tour win. Okay. But, Oh, oh, you're talking. Okay. So now you're talking about the, I'm saying I, I if we start saying. including grand, majors, you got to look at the yeah, grand scheme. Best grand player. scheme of if we're just looking at pro tour, Eagles already done it. Eagle was the best national player. On the pro tour, tour if you had national tour, how many more Ricky wins does he have? That's what I'm saying. If we're going pro tour, which is what Ricky, you brought I think up, you add two more wins. If you go pro tour, yeah. which is what you brought up. Eagle already sealed it. Eagle okay. won right. best player of the year. I think it's still debatable. If we go entire season, I think right now it's between Eagle and Ricky, but whoever wins USDGC really bumps themselves up. Okay. Dark horse. James Conrad wins USDGC best player. Cause he, he it, won both majors best player. No, and didn't do anything possible else. Possible best season. Possibly. That's a grand slam. Okay. It's a small grand slam. You're t- so if you're, if you're, when you look back at the record books, okay. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you look into 2021, if mm-hmm. James Conrad won worlds in USDGC mm-hmm. five years from now, people aren't saying he was probably the best player that year. No, you probably would have people say that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, we, if I was arguing, if I'm looking back at record books, I'm forgetting what happened. A lot of like a lot of pro tours and national tours. I'm looking back at 2017. I still don't, but think, I'm seeing the world and us title. I'm like, Oh shoot. Those guys have really good seasons. I, I still don't think worlds is really, I think it's just a, a name as of right now. I don't think it holds. I don't think it should hold more weight winning that tournament. than It's other still tournaments. a major. Just because you said it's a major, USDGC. You how can is say, a tennis? How is a tennis major different than just they said it's a major? Because of the people that qualify for it. It's so you're saying the qualification the, process? You better, can qualify better for pe- worlds. Better people. Yeah, but the field is not as good. Like the field. If you're comparing worlds who, to USDGC, who plays USDGC that didn't play worlds? Who plays USDGC that didn't play worlds? You said the field isn't as good. Who didn't show up to worlds is going to be at USDGC. Oh, I'm not sure. So the field had to be at least the same. I mean, I don't know exactly. If, I, mean, if there's, I don't think there's any up. any serious pro is playing worlds. The field might be bigger at worlds. So there might be more, more people to that lower end, yeah, but the top end is the same. You can't say the field strength no, at worlds I see what you're is saying. worse. I it's see what harder you're saying. to win USCGC simply because of the course. Course is harder. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. I still think my experience at worlds. I don't want to get into it too much, but. My experience at Worlds, it just didn't seem like it. You experienced a weird world. It, it didn't feel any different. If anything, it felt lower than other tournaments I had so played that year. I think so this Worlds was I'll a say. weird one because this is the first time in my whole time being a disc golf fan or like really paying attention to the sport mm-hmm. that I've heard a lot of people and a lot of well-respected people complain about different things, but there were like several people complaining about each thing at mm-hmm. Worlds. Usually worlds is like the pinnacle of how an events ran. I think, I think makes sense. This, it should, it I should think be this like, year, yeah, yeah. this year just exposed the weakness of having a local TD run it. I think it's also weird that worlds is like 
not at the end of the season. That is also a different contention point. But we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, my biggest thing with Worlds is I think that you just experienced a weird one because usually when this is the first world i haven't been to since 2015 Mm -hmm. but usually you roll into town uh five six seven days before and there's like a world's energy you're like what the heck is going like it's not necessarily like they do anything to make it but like the courses are already set up they're pristine the banners are out there way like way earlier than a normal tournament to where like you pull into a course and you know worlds is there i want the banners there's just something about it you're not pulling into a course (laughs) it's not like you're walking into a basketball gym and you're like oh is there a game here tonight yeah it's like you walk into a game uh, like gym and there's sixty thousand t-shirts over the mm-hmm. thing you're like yeah we're playing in front of a crowd tonight it's happening yeah it's a, it's a different feel yeah all Emporia, right someone said it in the chat and they're right emporia will be like that next year emporia does it right all right let's uh let's take some let's calls open some calls so let's, the number is back on the screen numbers back on give it a call uh and let's 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 talk let's 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 have a little debate whatever whatever topic you want to bring up yeah whatever you guys are feeling we we uh we talked about a decent amount tonight so there should yeah, be we've been, we've been rolling for a while all right we got a call in here already um i'm doing i'm doing the calls this time so hopefully it worked out hello hello hey who's this and uh where are you from this is Nathan. I'm down from College Station, Texas. Okay, okay. How you doing? Doing good, man. Been watching y'all debate y'all's uh, y'all show the whole time. Appreciate Enjoying it. Enjoying it. Enjoy checking in with y'all. Awesome. What, what you what, what you got for us? What was that? Oh, what what, what do you have for us? What do you, what do you have to say? All right, man. What I have for y'all. Okay. First off, y'all chat every single week is amazing, by the way. Uh, secondly, you, you have to give it to Eagle, man. It, it's been Eagle's year this year. It really has, you know, either him or Ricky, right? Like, who, who else are you going to have besides that? It's been a runoff mm-hmm. between those two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even been close. You know, Paul usually has been dominating every single year. Um, it's, he's, he's one of the best to have done it. But for this year, I mean, you got to look at Eagle has really came into his own. You know, I don't know if Paul getting that big contract motivated Eagle because I believe he's probably going to be the next one due up, you know, coming up for a big contract would be Eagle. Mm. Yeah, no, so, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's definitely between Eagle and Ricky. I think if, Eagle, if Ricky would have somehow been able to chase down Chris uh, this past weekend, I think he would have gotten the bump over Eagle simply just because obviously coming off, they, they would have the same amount of wins and then him, him having a couple more silver series and with him winning the last event. Um, but you're right. I think it could go either way. And you know, if I, I can't disagree too much with Eagle, his performances and, and quite frankly, his wins at some of these events weren't close. Like he ran away with them. So uh, yeah. he definitely had himself a year. That's for sure. I agree. Most, most definitely. I mean, he, it's, it's been his year, man. And like I said, I, I, Ricky, I mean, he, Ricky does what Ricky does. You know, yep. he, he shows up pretty much every weekend. He's top three. Usually um, the other one I would have said, but he hasn't won would have been Calvin just because of how consistent he's been going throughout the year. You know, top three player, I would say not, you know, for the top yeah. spot. You just gotta get the, gonna you gotta get the wins, well. man. You gotta get the wins. Yeah. Oh, Cal- yeah. Calvin won, Calvin won Ledgestone, but it's a co-win with yeah. Ricky. But like he could have had an insane win, uh, insane. Like there was multiple tournaments that he could have won to where he could have potentially had five, six wins this year. Yes. 
Um, right. But yeah, at the at the end of the turn at the end of the year, you're just, people are just going to go back and look at the, the numbers, and you know his wins just don't stack up to the others. So, um, but yeah, sweet. Yeah, I think I think I think Eagle definitely had uh, probably the best season. Um, but I, I feel like I could argue Ricky as well. So we'll see. We'll see what how right. how the rest of the year it goes. All right, Mel Devlin, man. I appreciate y'all taking my call, man. Me and my wife, and my kids, we watch you guys pretty much every week. So. Hey, we appreciate that. Y'all have a blessed rest of the night, man. Thank you so much for calling in, man. Take it easy. All right. All right. First call. Fair enough. Agreed with me. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. I, like probably feel, I was gonna say. You always feel good when you have. Keep people. it up. <laughs> and the polls on Twitter agree with you. There's a there's a lot of a uh, a lot of people in the the uh, grip lock chat, and I've seen people in this chat have been saying that we've been coming after Calvin for not having win. So I had to throw in. We we know he had a Ledgestone win. Mm-hmm. But it is he did a tie with to tie with Ricky there. All right, hello. Hey, what's up, man? Who we got here, and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Jonathan from Charlotte. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, all right, I got kind of like a two part question for you. All right, um, how far do you think the sport is from being able to have prize pools large enough to like support players full time? Um, do you think that lack of prize money is keeping people from pursuing the sport? Maybe at like a younger age. I know from like, I'm a golfer. Um, and I know I pursued it pretty hardcore just because of college scholarship opportunities and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to answer your second question first, I would say 100% it's stopping people and it's not even stopping people, uh, that are thinking about touring or, you know, have maybe the idea that maybe one day they're touring, it's stopping some of the top players in the world. I mean, we just talked about earlier, Chris Dickerson, not going on the West coast. He doesn't go on the West coast because he just doesn't think it's financially. Um, it makes sense financially for him to travel all that way over there. Uh, another person that I talk about a lot is James Proctor, who we did see actually on tour quite a bit this year. Um, from years past. And I think he definitely showed people that, you know, he has talent to compete and potentially win some events and he doesn't tour full time because he has a job at home that pays well. And he doesn't really see the reason to, you know, quit that and go on tour full time. So to answer that hundred percent, if people like those two are not playing events because it doesn't make sense financially, then you better believe that, you know, there's people that, you know, have, if they have potential of maybe playing basketball, baseball, football, any other sport, they're definitely probably going to pursue those sports over disc golf because financially it just makes a lot more sense. Um, now your, your, your first question about when, when are the prize pools going to catch up? It's just going to come down to sponsorships. Like the amount of money that is going to jack up the prize pools is simply going to be from, uh, sponsors, uh, from companies looking at the disc golf pro tour and saying, Hey, there's a lot of eyeballs here. We want to get in on that. And this again, goes back to my whole thing of like this live first verse post produced. We're right now spreading, um, the sponsorship money over a lot of different areas because the eyeballs are going across a bunch of different areas. We're giving people a lot of options, to be able to, um, view disc golf and to kind of give you an idea is like our podcast. For example, we have our podcast 
on YouTube right now live where you can listen to it. And then we have it on Apple. We have it on uh, Spotify. We have it on you know a lot of other smaller platforms. And when someone comes to us and says, hey, we're interested in uh, throwing an ad on your guys' podcast, we combine all those numbers and give it to them and say, this is how many people are going to hear your ad. Now, the issue is when you're doing live and you're doing post, what post is producing versus what live is producing is definitely different. And going to a company and trying to sell both under... I know that the Pro Tour does do this a little bit. It would be in the Pro Tour's... It it would be wise for the Pro Tour, and I'll leave it at this, and Hunter, if you want to come in, it'd be wise for the Pro Tour to figure out how can we get as many eyeballs watching live? How can we get as many people tuned in? Because then we can sell that number and we can make a lot more money. Hunter. I mean, I've always said I've always been in agreement with that statement. So okay, I'm not I'm not going to add too much. I think that's that we might have to do a whole debate night on the the live versus post. And I, I can, want I want I can present, Jomez fanboys in here and and I can and present the topic. Some, I know I know some, the argument because I've argued it multiple times. Yeah. I think what people and, and this is something too. I don't think people realize how much money you can make in uh, on like social media on YouTube, on all, you know, and, and when you talk about broadcasting, it's probably even more. I don't think people really realize the money that you can make on it and just how different views are, right? So if you're, for example, like in a podcast, if your podcast gets 10,000 views versus a podcast that gets like 25,000 views, you're talking a couple thousand dollars difference. So, so now if you're talking about disc golf pro tour, getting 15,000 views versus a hundred thousand views. I mean, we're, we're now talking about tens of thousands of dollars difference coming into purses. And I mean, and that's, and that's tens of thousands of dollars per company. So if you have like seven companies, you know, now we're, now we're adding a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it just, it, it just goes up and up and up as numbers go. So I think if I'm in the pro tour standing uh, situation, I'm trying to figure out how can we get as many people watching live as possible. So hopefully I answer your question. I've uh, I've never been to a live event. I'm pretty new to the sport, but do they typically charge for tickets like to go view it? Some are um, some don't. That's for most sports. That's a, a pretty large source of. Yeah. And I think, money. I think some do. And I think we have seen, they they've seen success. I know like DDO did it. I believe Ledgestone or one other company did it in the, in the prize, the prize purses for those were pretty high because of the amount of money that was driven in. I know worlds did it as well. And that's definitely something, uh, for sure that they are doing well right now. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Appreciate you calling in brother. No worries. Y'all have a good one. You too. All right, man. I, man, live versus post always gets me fired up. It gets a lot of people fired up. It always gets me fired up. I think people think whenever we talk about it too that we're directly coming after post-produced companies in a way. Yeah, it's not that. And it's nothing all. against the company. No. Because I'm if I was at the head of Jomez GK Pro Gatekeeper, you're doing great. I'm doing the exact same thing that yeah. they're doing as much as I can. Because 100%. why can't why wouldn't I? Because I'm giving the opportunity to monetize this you're situation. The money. But when you look at it from the Pro Tour side, and I think it's the, the Pro Tour knows they're very smart people. They are doing a slow play. You can see it. They're, they're, they don't want to make a move too quick. Exactly. That happened in 2016. It bit the Pro Tour in the butt with, with Steve Dodge when he was in charge. 
they're, they're, they're doing a slow play. You, you've already seen where GK Pro wanted to release, I think it was like the FPO coverage, mm-hmm. same day. They wanted to do 10 p.m. And mm-hmm. the Pro Tour said, no. Nope. They said the earliest you can do is 12 a.m. next day because your contract's next day. Coverage. I think it's going to eventually happen this Eventually, it'll slowly be pushed back to, hey, you got to hold that coverage two days. The sooner, the better. I disagree there, though. Okay. I do disagree there. Who we, I think you got, who you we got, got here? Slow. Who we got here? Hi, it's Danny from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Danny, what's up? Go Buckeyes. Yeah, go Bucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that last weekend. Oh, that was really help us, no. That's fine. That that was just a rare occurrence. That's not going to happen again. We always play to our competition. Yep. But uh, I have a hot take for you here. That's here. Um, two part. One Augusta National would be the best golf course to host a disc golf tournament. <sighs> two, somebody needs to treat, teach uh, Trevor how to putt. Well, I mean, that's not, even, that's not a debate. That's just a fact. Especially if you haven't watched our most recent video today. His putting was bad. Yeah, we had to go into the archives to show because Trevor at some point said, like, people think that this is some new thing. I've been struggling since the beginning. And so Connor put a little highlight clip of some old video. It's a funny, funny oh, moment. Sure you definitely got to check that out. All right, Danny, this is, this is good. I don't know how much into it I want to get here, but this could be potentially a great tweet at some point of, just what you said, what golf course would be the best disc golf course? I mean, obviously Augusta's up there. Other ones that come to mind are Pebble Beach. What, what makes Augusta so good disc golf wise? It would, it would look, it would by far be the coolest looking. Just scenic looking. Yes. Okay. Every, I mean, just the fact that everything is perfectly manicured, the azaleas, I mean, it would just be beautiful. And they do have a lot of, uh, really uh, what what do you know what trees those are what trees are those i don't know i don't know what they are either but they have a lot of them and so you could ha- you could make some pretty cool holes out of out of kind of like the that off the to me that would stuff. be the key is yeah. you you'd have to be some type of golf course that you could design those extra elements extra uh, you know different ways to challenge players other than because like Augusta is going to look gorgeous. Yeah. You know, it's mm. probably one of the, it's the most iconic golf course probably in the world. Right. I mean, cause I've, anytime I hear a non-disc golfer, it's just about who you talk to, no matter what, it's St. Andrews, St. Andrews is probably number okay, I've one, heard of that but too. yes, but regardless it's, it, it would look amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a question of like, is that what would play the best? Yeah. Would be the question I'd ask. I think there's a great Twitter. I think there's a great Twitter question, Danny. And, uh, I can't wait to see some of the answers. The one I'm going to throw out there is pebble. And then, uh, I would also say the players championship. TPC Sawgrass. I don't know enough to comment. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about having a basket on, like, 17's green. Oh, that's the used to be the waste island. management? No, no, no. 17's the island green. I'm thinking it's... The famous island green. You know the famous island yeah. green? Yeah. 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 I'm thinking of a different... I was thinking of a different hole the first time you said it, yeah. but yes. That that would... And, and it's got the perfect, like, hillside where everyone can sit and watch. I mean, it's just literally... Waste management, 16. That's what I was thinking of. The it's not a good hole. hole, though. That's just the it's loudest not, hole. It's just you have a stadium. The reason yeah. why it's cool is you have a stadium. It, the hole itself is kind of eh. 17, TPC Sagres. Woo! You would see a lot of... And 18, too. 18 would be a... 18 would be a bruiser of a hole. So, all right, Dan, we're going we're gonna to throw that up on Twitter probably right after this because I want to hear some answers. Thanks for bringing that to us. Yeah, absolutely, and I would keep 12 the same. I don't know what 12 is on that. I don't know what that is. Wait, wait, what? At Augusta? That's part three on Amen Corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Sorry, I was not there with you. But now <laughs> I got you. All right, sweet, Danny. Appreciate it, brother. Yep. All right, have a good one. Yeah, you probably don't even know about Amon Corner. 
Get out of here, casual. Freaking casual. I'm a man. disc golfer. That's why I'm on the show. You're casual. I bring the disc golfer, the, the, you know, grassroots disc golfer. Yeah, and then I slam you down with what every other sport's doing. And people are like, well, we're not every other sport. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that's that's my role. <laughs> oh man! All right, we'll take a couple more calls here, and uh, see if anyone has see if anyone has anything uh, disagreeances. Yeah, if you've got something that you you disagree with us on, please call. Yeah, that's what makes the show fun. Yeah, we're looking for we're looking for debates going back and forth. Hello, hello, who we got? Hello, this is uh, Forrest. How are you doing, Forrest? How's it going, man? Where are you calling from? I am at the Grand Canyon right now at work. I was gonna say, I'll it sounds it like work. you're at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, whitewater rafting? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I'm at, like I say, I'm at work currently. Okay. So uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll make this quick here, and I'll probably just just get off. But uh, I'd like to know what your opinion is on what most valuable disc types there will be in like 50 years from now? Like, do you think it will be discs that players today autograph or like limited run discs, first run discs? What, what kind of ideas mm. do you have? For That's discs a good question. Like 50 years from now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let, I'm going to let Hunter go with this one first, because I feel like, you know, more about the collectible, the collector kind of side of things. Yeah, I think I think the answer is going to shift. I think right in, I think if we're going straight uh, 50 years from now, I'm saying first run prototype signed discs are going to be worth more than these limited edition runs because the reason limited edition runs are worth so much right now is because most of the time they had just come out within the last year to five years to where the current players saw that disc come out, saw it sell out, freaked out. Mm. I really wanted your zones perfect mm-hmm. example uh i really wanted that blue get freaky it sold out in 10 seconds that made the disc so valuable mm. to a certain extent 50 years from now that's going to have some collectability but people will have to know the backstory of the disc to know the collectability whereas a first run or a prototype of a disc you you just know that's rare and that's collectible same thing goes with the signature uh signatures of athletes always go up once they're deceased and can't produce anymore because you know you have an asset there uh so i think 50 years from now you got to factor that in as well so i'm thinking prototype signature first run type discs are going to far outweigh the collector market than these limited editions that we're seeing flood the collector market right now makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense thanks for calling in man thanks for the question Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you too, brother. Take it easy. Yeah, that's actually that's a great question. Is that our first call from like a national park? I don't know. It might be. It was dark horse. That's definitely, I think, a great. Trying to figure out what a great topic because what was his job for the? I don't know. He's saying he was on a construction site for sure. But I don't know what he's doing the Grand Canyon. Dark horse. Hello, hello. Who we got? Howdy, howdy. This is Dane from Texas. Dane, what's up? We got a lot of Texas people calling in tonight. How's it going, man? Going well. So my question was about the uh, tour season. So everything kind of after Worlds, unless it's like a really good venue, like the last two have been like great places just watching. uh, It feels like some of the events have lost their luster where if they had happened before Worlds, you kind of have like that lead up to Worlds. Oh, for sure. I'm wondering what thoughts are on kind of the length of the season 
or just like the quality of events, kind of the layout of where Worlds is maybe, but it, I kind of felt a little bit of uh, watching fatigue. I don't know if players are feeling the same thing. So that's kind of my, my question. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say in a lot of, a lot of sports, you're going to have the casuals that are tuning in to, um, again, these like tournament kind of style, you know, whether it's tennis, golf, um, other sports like that, you're going to have people tune into like the big events and not even really pay attention to everything else. And then you're going to have like the diehards that are like, no matter what I'm watching it, you know, UFC is a good example is another sport. That's a good example of like, I don't care who's fighting on the card. I'm watching every single one, whether it's a fight night, a pay-per-view heck. I even watched some of the, uh, contender series fights as well. Um, where there's other people that are tuning in when Connor fights, when Izzy fights, when, uh, Naganu fights, you know, they're only tuning in for the big boys. So I, I think that's just going to happen everywhere. Now, what you're talking about is an issue with scheduling. And it's also an issue with just how like the situation set up is where everyone wants you Everyone wants to put worlds at this such this like Mecca. It means the most. It means the most. It means the most. It needs to go at the end because like what's happening right now, it feels like the Super Bowl, if we're going to football, it feels like the Super Bowl is like week five. And then like at the end of the season, they play like this like little like mini Super Bowl thing between like maybe let's just say like the two teams that had the best regular season. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they go in the off season. It's a weird situation where I think you would want the world championship to be at the end and everything kind of builds up to that. And in the middle of the season, you add in the other majors. So like you said, you have, you know, four tournaments to six tournaments, major four tournaments to six tournaments, major four, six major, and then four, six. And then you have the worlds and then Worlds happens and then everyone's just super stoked, super hyped up. And that kind of lingers for a while without any tournaments. And then you're like, oh man, I cannot wait for disc golf to come back where right now it's this weird thing of where I agree with you. Like there's this weird, like everyone's waiting for USDGC. It feels like yeah, for the last couple of weeks. And I just don't think schedule wise, that's just, that's the way that they probably want it to work. Should out. there should there be a world championship? And if there is, should it just be a major or should it have its own tier? I don't think there should be one. I think the world championship should happen every two years. Mm. Interesting. Cause in that way you, it makes it super, super special. Um, and also it's just weird. It's weird to consider worlds a major, but then also to consider all these other tournaments, a major when you're saying that this tournament means definitely more. means more. Make worlds every two years. Give them enough time to make it sick. You can make it international that way too, because you just plenty of time to uh, set everything up, and then find yourself three or four really good majors to have throughout the season. And then when worlds happens, it's at the end of the season. Everyone gets jacked up for it. it's like the Olympics. If the Olympics happened every year, it wouldn't be that. Big. It wouldn't be special. But the Olympics happen every four years. And so like you, everyone's like so eager to watch it because they haven't seen it. So I think that's what they should do. 
Um, or just get rid of it. I mean, that's my opinion, honestly, too. That's what I was saying. It's a weird, it's a weird thing because I don't know if, if we just went to Utah for another major and then the season continued, it wouldn't feel weird. The weirdest thing to me is the season we're in right now doesn't feel weird anymore. That first weekend after worlds, that first tournament after worlds, I never care about it ever. It's my job to care about it. I still don't Yeah. because we just watched worlds. The peak, what feels like the peak of the season just happened. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we're back in it. And it, it just doesn't feel like a good tournament the next weekend, no matter what it is. Yeah, I think I think definitely they need to tweak out the schedule a little bit. And again, it's one of those things where the, the PJ, uh, or the, not the PJ Tour, but golf in general just switched their majors. Like they've had majors set this one, this one, this one, this one. They just switched one to that I think was first is now like third, I believe uh, it's the PGA uh, mm. championship. So there isn't this like, Hey, this is how it's always been. It has to stay this way. I think it's, I think it's smart to kind of switch it, but I would, I would love to see worlds every two years. So that's what I would say, but Hey, great question. Thanks for calling in brother. Yep. Thanks for answering. Yep. Take it easy. All right, I think we got time for one more. Yeah, let's have uh, one more caller in. It seems to be a lot of people that were trying to call in. Yeah, a lot so, of people calling in for questions, which I'm okay there's with. There's been some people in the chat that are saying they're calling in because they disagree, but they're calling in and they're not the first one through. So Okay, I mean, this is what we're working on. We're going to eventually have to have someone that has like a call. We got to have someone screen like a caller ID thing, yeah. Hello, hello, who we got? Hi, this is Drew. Drew, where are you calling from? Platteville. Where? Called from Platteville, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. You're are you are you feeling pretty good about your Badgers? Are you are you a Badger fan? No, I'm not from Wisconsin. I just go to school there. Oh, okay. They're do you play on the disc golf team there? I do, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I heard of Platteville because we used to play them in college. Oh, okay, okay. Little rivalry? We didn't no, we never we didn't see him enough. Oh, okay. What you got for us, man? All right, so I got two things. One from the earlier topic of Eagle and Ricky. I think it plays more towards Ricky because Eagle has two of his wins on temporary courses that we've never seen before. Ah. Did Ricky so play I those think events? That kind of factors in as a one-time. Ah, hit. I like that. I don't. You don't like that no. take? Did Did Ricky play both of those events? Is my question. Yeah, but you could find another course that just happens to suit Ricky that we've never seen before. And then it would just teeter into his favor way much more. I see. I, I don't, I just don't like taking wins away from Eagle because the courses at the pro tour played, they gave everyone the same chances of winning on like, it's not Eagle's fault. They played golf courses. He still won on both those golf courses. Ricky's a great golf course player. I like, I, I, I wouldn't say I would agree with that take, but I like the take. That's a, I've heard that take a lot. I like, I it. have heard it a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't agree with it. Cause I'm with you. They're all playing the same courses. And you know, when you look at it, Ricky, Ricky's ability, like Ricky or Eagles advantage on golf courses versus Ricky is way different than like Eagles advantage versus like Chris Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's hard to really give him that big of an advantage and, and, and take away that win a little bit. But I, I didn't think about the temporary course because that is, I mean, there is something to be said about it. So that is, that is interesting. Regardless, they're both good players, but uh, my debate thing is I think um, post-produce needs more professionalism 
and like their commentators, specifically the guys on Jomez, because I think that's kind of holding the sport from a little bit of growth. Because if you ask anybody like, oh, hey, what's this disc golf stuff? You'll be like, oh, go watch Jomez on YouTube, and they'll pull up the most recent uh. tournament, and they're seeing German Uli kind of goofing off being silly in the booth, and they're like, what's this? Like, I'm uh. not going to watch these two goof around all day. Yeah, so so it's one of the... You make a great point, and I have actually have seen quite a few people talk about the commentary, not only on the Pro Tour, but also on Jomez. And I think we're starting to see more and, pe- more, and more people actually side with where what you're saying, where I think if you looked like two years ago, you, you'd probably be shot for saying something like that. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it is interesting. And what you said is a good point, too, of like showing someone the first thing. So for me, if I relate it to like Ultimate Frisbee and people are like, hey, what's Ultimate Frisbee? like, what is that all about? I never sent them live coverage ever. I sent them highlight packages because I wanted them to see the best stuff that could happen in ultimate Frisbee. And that way they're seeing like, Holy cow, that's insane. Um, and, and then they would potentially want to go watch more. I think that possibly could be also a good answer to like, if someone's like, Hey, what's disc golf showing them something of like, Hey, these are the best, like the high, the best highlights from the 2021 season. I think that would actually get them way more interested in it than showing them a Jomez video or a live coverage video. The thing with Jomez is they down the road, they will be a very niche market. There will be, a lot of people that enjoy watching their, their commentary on the coverage. But again, it's a niche thing. The majority of people, as the sport grows, as more people come in, the majority of people are going to want to watch a professional broadcast. That's just how, mm-hmm. that's just how literally every other sport works. So back to the Jomez commentary take, because I actually disagree. Because here's what I view Jomez, and I think a lot of people view Jomez as we're sitting down... And it's almost like a podcast experience type thing where I'm sitting and I, it's not necessarily a professional broadcast. No, feel. It shouldn't be. It it's shouldn't a be. hanging out with German Yuli feel. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Um, Just like this podcast, this podcast compared to, uh, you know, some, some ESPN. Yeah. ESPN show like this podcast is way less professional and, and I also and it's think it's not going to ever be when you show someone Jomez for the first time they're coming from a different sports point of view so watching that they're seeing it as like a highlight package they're not watching it as a professional coverage of like because they're expecting the the live it's not a highlight package though it's not watching every shot but they're not watching it like it's what other sport does like a shot by shot coverage like disc golf golf but that's a highlight what do you mean? At post-produced. Yeah. That would be like a highlight of I mean, that round. It, yeah, same thing. NFL. So NFL, now imagine. You can watch NFL games after the fact. Yeah. They cut so out all So if you watched golf, that golf post-produced highlight, would you expect the commentary to be the exact same, like super professional, super. Most of those don't I, have commentary. But if there was. If it was more laid back, you'd be chill with I it. Mean, because it depends you, on who puts it out. But you're. If the PGA yes. Tour is putting it out, then yes, I would expect it. If the M- sure. NBA is putting it out, then sure. yes, I would expect but it. But it wouldn't feel out of place for it to have a more laid back feel to it. No. Because it's not, yeah. you're not sitting down and dedicating time to a professional no, broadcast. No, you make a point. So I think that Jomez is a great, like I would, if, if someone asked me what's disc golf all about and I wasn't showing them highlights, 
I'm showing them like 2014 Worlds, uh, 2014 USDGC. I'm showing them like some of the greatest rounds of all time. Sure. Of like competitiveness, letting them watch yeah, 2014 more, more Worlds. Yeah, the play than the actual yeah. commentators and, and stuff then at that point, they eventually sure. get into them like, hey, I want to watch live. Live commentary needs to improve. We've talked about that multiple times, but live is where there needs to be that professionalism, you know, perfectly put together package, graphic package, mm-hmm. what you would expect to sit down and watch the PGA Tour. I think the problem, though, is people are putting Jomez either at Disc Golf Pro Tour level or some people are putting him above it when, in fact, it should be below. What do you mean, quality-wise? Or like, no, no, what no not quality-wise. Like, just in the sense of, like, you would never, you would never say like, uh, like a, a Fox broadcast in an NFL game, right? That holds more weight or more importance than some two people going back, back and, and talk, recapping the game, mm-hmm. right? You see what I'm saying? Like, no one's ever saying like, oh no, these two people, they are just as important and, and maybe even more important. Where right now, Jomez is either on... Some people think they're on the same level as Pro Tour. And some people even put him above I think think what people are getting confused is entertainment level and importance level. Yes. Because, for instance, if you watch... uh, And that's not what I'm talking about. No. Jomez is very entertaining. Exactly. Very entertaining. And they're two different products. Yes. That was my point. Yeah, they're two different products. The entertainment factor... Because, like, for instance, I'm um, trying to think of, uh, like, companion streams. Mm-hmm. You you can, there's sometimes, like, uh, Barstool will do that, like, electric chair companion stream. Yep. They have Joe Rogan of, does them for fights. Yep. They have tons of money on the line mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Those sometimes will be more entertaining than what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. But I'm not expecting, like, I'm not expecting those, like, 10 guys sitting in lounge chairs to be my professional commentary of the broadcast. Yeah. Because I'm watching them for entertainment. Yeah. I think it's a different product is all it is at the end of the day. I would just say people that. are just treating people are treating Jomez Gatekeeper GK Pro the as as the professional broadcast of the Correct. sport because it was that for so long. That's We're all in it a was. transition period to there being a professional broadcast and Germ Yuli can let their personality show a lot more and be more that laid back entertainment value yeah. that they're going to like perfectly slide into down the road. That product is not gonna go away. Like that, that post-produced people talking about it, like that's not going to go away. It's the same thing as like this podcast, other podcasts, like people are going to want to consume more in different ways of consuming. The thing is right now is a lot of these things are all on the same level when in fact the pro tour needs to be a step above. And And a lot of that is on the pro tour themselves providing that step above product. product. Exactly. Boom. Could not agree more. Sweet. You got anything else? Sorry, we kind of just... Yeah, we just ran with that. We just went, we went <laughs> off. We love that topic. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, take Thanks it easy, time. brother. Yeah, you too, man. Sh- should we try Should we try one more just in case someone, one last caller has like a legit debate? This will be a little bit longer podcast, but you know, there's some people that have long r- drives to work. So yeah, this, like is a, this is a real long episode, but I'm fine with it. We'll, we'll do one more. I'm rolling with whatever. I got, I got one right here. Hello, right. hello. Who we got? Will. Bill? Will. Will. Gil. Where are you calling from? Will. Oh, Will. Where are you calling from, I, Will? Sorry, man. Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Beautiful. Beautiful place. What we got for you? Um, uh, not really a debate question, but I, I, I listen to you guys all the time. And um, 
I know that Hunter, you played on the collegiate level um, for Liberty and Trevor did, and you know we we always talk about growing the sport, and and we certainly are trying to do that here. But I think you know if you looked around and and, and Hunter, you'd have to comment on on how many collegiate teams there are. But to get the sport to grow, I think you know you talk about golf and basketball and, and football and all these other sports. You know they started at a rec league kind of high school college level. I mean, how do you think? I mean. How do we get that in, you know, the NCAA and some of the other things, you know, even in high schools even, to uh, to kind of get kids more interested in it? Because I think it really starts young, as, as a lot of people can agree. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I think college disc golf, the way it's headed, is in a good direction. Um, we're not going to be an NCAA sport. That's a whole different thing. But we're going to be, disc golf is on many campuses and probably will continue in this direction of being a, a club sport, meaning there is university funding and priority in like, for instance, my experience at Liberty, um, we had like priority for class registration and stuff like that to make sure we made our game or made our uh our practices and all of that, as well as university backing, um, meaning we didn't have to pay out of pocket for tournaments, gear, stuff like that. That's the kind of the direction that college disc golf is going. And I think that's kind of the stepping stone to if there ever was NCAA. Um, cause that's what like a lot of, uh, hockey teams, for instance, are club teams and they're extremely well funded and most of them are scholarship athletes and stuff like that. Um, I think that the next step in getting college disc golf bigger is awareness and that necessarily doesn't really fall on college disc golf itself as much as it does on the media teams. Um, I think it starts with like grip locked. We plan on the good thing about college disc golf is the season kind of falls in disc golf's off season because mm. it runs during the school year. So their end of the year, big major event is April, which is right when the disc golf season's kind of kicking up. So in grip lock, we're going to use it kind of as our filler content of the off nice. season. We can cover college disc golf and opens people's eyes to this world because it's, it's very interesting. Um, and there is a lot of young talent. There's a lot of players who are prominent on the pro tour now that were big in college. Uh, Grady shoe, for instance, he played, um, my mind's blanking Raven, on a lot. James Raven. Proctor, Raven Newsom. A lot of these guys played in college, but their college career, if you didn't play college, you wouldn't know. And so hopefully we can kind of shed some light on that. I think that's the next step is showing people that when you go to college, there is this option mm -hmm. of you can start looking at schools of like, hey, Clemson has a really good program in whatever you know major I want to go into, and they have a sick disc golf team. You know, and their disc golf team is really well-funded. And you can start looking at colleges based on stuff like that. Heck, Ferris State and a school in Tennessee actually have disc golf-specific scholarships mm. to where you're getting not a full ride, but it's a decent bit of financial backing. But players have to be made aware of this. Um, I think that's the next step. Once college disc golf kind of gets a little bit more awareness, then I think it'll trickle down into high school. To where players will still want to care in high school and start getting ready for college and so then you'll start seeing i know michigan has some uh we are hoping eventually to start some in the lynchburg area but start some high school leagues that play similar to the college style game um to where it is that team atmosphere that team feeling within disc golf so that you can kind of get better alongside other people but it also prepares you on the individual side of hey is this something i want to do in the future so because i think the professional side is getting to the point that young players are starting to take it seriously knowing I can make a good living playing disc golf. It's starting to get to that point to where when they get to high school and they're a good athlete, they're now considering disc golf and they need to know the options that are available to them. So I think the next step is media coverage 
of the college disc golf scene, helping people be aware that that exists, what teams exist, stuff like that. Um, and which teams like there's literal dynasties in college disc golf that like, if you're going to disc golf to play college, or if you're going to college to play disc golf, there's certain schools that if you go to, you're guaranteed a chance at national championship every year and, uh, making people aware of stuff like that. And then once they kind of are aware of that, then I think high school programs and stuff like that will start to flourish and work its way down. Cause that is true. Every other sport starts. Like I started playing basketball and travel soccer when I was five. I think, I think the, I think couple things. One, more media about college, which is, it sounds like you guys are going to start trying to do more of that. I think that helps because if players feel like they can actually build their name in college. And so that way, when they get on the pro scene, maybe they can already get a sponsorship because they have a following or whatever coming out of college. I think that's huge. Well, that's another thing is a lot of colleges, um, have started having like, for instance, at Liberty, obviously most of my experience that I know for fact is Liberty because it happened to me we had a manufacturer sponsor and the way that it worked was when you graduated, if you were on the top flight, which was basically like the division one team, those four players were guaranteed a year of a professional level sponsorship straight out of college. So it kind of roped you in. You, you threw, I threw prodigy for my last two years at Liberty. And then when I left Liberty, I was guaranteed one year on the prodigy team. And so it made it where I had I didn't have like a guaranteed money, but I had a bonus structure. So if I yeah. wanted to try to tour and if I was actually good, it gave me a position where I could have made it Yeah, type of thing. And other universities are starting to have that. I've seen some be sponsored by Discmania. I think Clemson sponsored by Innova. I don't know the exact details are there, yeah, but that that's, makes a that's lot starting sense. to happen. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like, again, you know, the bigger, the bigger you make these people coming out, you know, the, the name that sticks out to me, I mean, you can look at, I mean, you can look at literally any college football player. I mean, some of these college football players are making bank right now once that they change that rule. But the other thing that's interesting too is disc golf. There isn't this feeling of man, I I, I got to get out and I get out, I got to get on the pro tour as soon as possible. Where some people in NFL, college football, basketball, you know, as soon as they can leave college to get in the league, they are. And that, you know, hurts the, you know, the college sport itself, Mm -hmm. where I think disc golf, you could have teams where guys are there for four years consistently because there isn't this, you can play disc golf for so long. There isn't this like, oh no, I'm like missing my opportunity of being able to go. Well, it'll eventually also be something that you can fall back on of, well, not fall back on, but like another accolade of like. I was an individual national champion in disc golf yep. uh, on collegiate or like, and have that mean or there's something. also all Americans and stuff like that. Where like, for instance, I was a two time all American in dis- in college disc golf right yeah. now. That title means absolutely nothing. Hopefully when I'm talking to my grandkids, I can flex on them because they'll know yeah. what that means. But you know what I mean? When I'm talking to a sponsor in the future, that might be something that holds some weight of like, Hey, we're looking at these different players. This guy we don't really know too much about him. This guy was a three-time collegiate All-American and has a collegiate national championship. We know this guy can perform. Yep. Boom. Now you have an edge over other people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that's a future of the sport that people just aren't really looking at right now. College disc golf, baby. That's sweet. Did well, you have hey, anything else for us? That's it? No, that was it, man. Shout awesome. out to the University of Georgia for uh, winning that. Go dogs. Oh, man. So we, we, uh, we, they, went, they were the U.S. Uh, this golf championship this year. So okay. no, I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much for what y'all do. And, uh, we, we like listening to you guys out there. So, uh, we're trying to do the same thing. Start some high school leagues. And Heck yeah. All that too. So we, we appreciate it, man. All right. That's take it. it easy, man. Go Gators. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's actually <laughs> something that we're about to be covering is when we go down to uh, USDGC, a lot of people don't know this either, is there is a collegiate disc golf event that runs alongside USDGC called Dean's Cup. It's an invite only. They invite four teams that performed well at the... <laughs> they, they invite four teams that performed well at the previous year's collegiate season. It's like a huge honor. And basically you get to... I got to play in it twice, I think. Coolest experience of my life. Uh, when I played in it, you got the USDGC players pack. So we got like this massive Innova players pack. And then you got to play Winthrop Golds in a tournament pressure situation with your collegiate team. We teed off at like 7.30 in the morning. Players didn't even know we were out there. We're done with them. We're done by the time like first few cards are going out. But the, the you know you get to go out and play Winthrop Gold in a collegiate doubles format. And it was sick. And then the winners, the Dean's Cup is the like inaugural start of the collegiate season. And That's so this year uh, we've been in talk with John Baker, who's like one of the heads of collegiate disc golf to different ways that foundation can cover that, do some highlight stories at player interviews and draw some attention to yeah, it. Yeah. Start getting, start getting those names out there. Yeah. Having people fall on people early before, before they make a name for themselves on tour. Yeah. Cause that's also you collegiate disc golf. There's a lot of players right now in collegiate disc golf that, they're in college, so they graduate with a college degree. So how good they were at disc golf in college doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. they're going to go on to like be an engineer or something Make like that. More money, yep. But as the tide starts to shift, you're going to see more people like Raven Newsom. He played in college for several years. Mm-hmm. He was a top player for several years in college. You could see his name in the rankings and realize this guy is separating himself. This guy is separating himself. He got picked up by MVP a lot because of what he was doing in college before he ever went on tour. And then he went on tour, and those of us who played against him in college, we weren't surprised at all. People who hadn't seen him in college are like, like, who the heck heck is this guy? guy?" Exactly. So it gives you, and the same thing was true when uh, Grady Shue kind of broke on the scene a few years ago. I I wish there was, there's one or two other players that like. Golf, I mean, golf struggles with this too. They do. They do struggle a little bit with guys coming up and and not really know, but uh, they're getting better. I mean, you have a couple guys that, that came out of Oklahoma State, um, it's 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 just a different world. It's a, it's a different situation where, uh, for whatever reason, like individual sports just don't do as well, and in the college, like keeping track of it yeah. as, as the team sports. Well, that's team. what uh, college disc golf, I think, has found a good way. I've never because golf is a lot of match play stuff, to where it's like it's a team, but it, they're not playing as a team, right? Um, no, they. It's, it's hard to make golf a team sport. Yeah, no, they do. I'm trying to remember. I just watched it like two years ago, but there is some sort of like stroke play involved. Yeah. But yeah, th- it, it is a lot of like you going against this person. Yeah. So that's what college disc golf. I've, I really like what they have worked out. It's more like cross country. I don't know what cross country does. So cross country, it's like you have seven people. They all run the race and they only take the top five scores. Top that, five is that what times. golf's like? Or are you saying that's what the disc golf is? No, no, no. Like? That's what I'm saying. Maybe what is disc golf is like if you suck, In some ways. your score doesn't get counted. No, it does. So what they oh, it used well, to not, it used to not. But the most recent one they found is they wanted to make it more of a team feel so that you could really root for a team or like you win and lost the team, make it a little less individual on the college level. So there is an individual national champion. Yeah. You have to win two rounds and a final nine to win that. So okay. it's a, a full tournament to actually be a collegiate national champion on the individual level. But then they take those two singles rounds and they average the four players team score into one score. Okay. So if we went out and played new London, all four of us played and we averaged a 75, That's our then score. Liberty scores a 75. It doesn't matter if you shot a 68 and I shot an 82, we averaged a 75. Okay. Uh, and then we play collegiate doubles, which is basically 
you're it's like you're playing alternate shot but instead of it just being me and you we have a partner so like yeah, so i tee off on it's one like doubles alternate shot yeah, so me and my partner tee off on one. You yeah. and your partner take that shot. Yeah. So it makes it where you have to have a deep team of four players. And I don't and know. Weekly. It made it very interesting. I think it made it kind of hard for people to just come in and try to follow because it's like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. Especially if you watched coverage for the first time. And a lot of times the commentator didn't understand what's going on the either. double alternate but shot, I'm not a huge fan of just because. I it, wasn't it was, until I played it a lot. It might be fun to play. I think it's probably fun to play. It's but not fun to play. Oh, it requires a you lot. Think of, it's fun to watch. I don't really know. I don't it, think it's fun to I watch. I think it's it's a fun way to compete because it truly makes you have to compete as a team. So yeah, like I'm if I'm playing, actually watching. If I'm watching it, I don't think it's easy for me to watch because there's eight people I'm trying to keep track of. In a way, yeah. I don't know. I think I think if they would have just kept. Why it, I liked it was it gave it gave it gave you a chance because we would have teams. We had a team who was like relatively deep, and there would be other teams that had like a. A over thousand rated player, great player, and then they would have, but they would have one not so great player. But that's the same way with cross country. Is you, it makes it to where, like, if you literally did it where you had, if your team was seven people, and you only take your top five scores. Yeah. Then the bottom two. So in disc golf, the teams weren't deep enough. The bottom two drop off. But if you're, if like, if like some team goes, if they have the number one guy. Yeah. Because basically, what you do is just points. So if you finish, it's like fall guys. Right? Yeah. If you finish first, you get one point. And if you finish fifth, you get five points. If you finish 40th, you get 40 points. And the team that has the lowest amount of points wins. So even though you had that one point, a team that maybe had six, nine, 12, 14 wins. I don't know. They can figure it out. I oh, think that. Yeah. I think that's, they used to do the drop score thing, but what it did was. Well, you're just dropping the lower. You're just drop, you're, it just, basically, that's just allowing your team to be deeper. By not and dropping the score. No, no, no. It's allowing you to bring more people. Instead of just bringing five, you can bring seven. We bring 16. That's what they have different divisions. Okay, this, but might, this might be a different topic. That's a whole different topic. This, I was just going to say, when they, used to, of- when they used to drop scores, uh, Augusta, University of Augusta, was dominant because they had th- like two really, really good players, one solid player, and then one player... That they just yeah, so they're only counting three scores. So they counted three scores, and they would wipe. They hey, would wipe have the them floor count, with Have them count five scores. They only could get four people. Well, they can't compete. Sorry, you have to have five. Then we would have had if we if you had to have this is legitimate. You would have won national champion every year. No, if you had oh. to have five people, college disc golf wouldn't exist. Okay. Because there would have only there was there were several teams that only could show up with three. That's well, why they football did it that way. also was played without helmets. You gotta you gotta build um, up this thing. Someone did mention in the comments here. Uh, when you were kind of talking there for a bit, I did read someone say how the reason they don't like Jomez is the fact that they actually m- try to make it sound live, which I think is a really good point. Yeah. They don't. Where if we were watching coverage, we would just be reacting to it and not be trying to make it sound like we're trying to do a broadcast and being like, uh, he's got this putt for birdie. We'll see if he can make it. Oh, he made like we wouldn't be doing that. We would literally just be like, oh, look at that guy. He's got funky, funky shoes on. Like, I wonder what shoe. You know, it. That's, they're they're I, straddling the line right now. Exactly, and they're I blurring think, the line. I think that's the issue that maybe some people have. Is there? But to be fair, off, they. I think the reason is they had to blur the line because they were the professional coverage. Yeah, but they, for so time, long, but, time, but times are changing, and so I think. So right now they're straddle. That's why I think they're getting goofier and goofier. Is they know. 
Yeah, but they should. St- okay, I think I think a lot of people would yeah, would have you, less. No, hold on. I think a lot of people would have less. I don't even watch Jomez, so yeah. I, I don't. Even, I'm, I, I'm not having a say in this, but I'm saying from what I've seen, I think if they stop trying to act like they were watching it for the first time, especially when they're on the card, when they're li- you're literally seeing the person's there, and you know, like, bro, you you obviously know what's going to happen. I think more people would be. Uh, less annoyed. That's I think uh, what I was from what say I've seen in the comments. Is, people I think I think you will be very happy with where disc golf is five years from now. But well, yeah. What the heck? You want to? You want to just like done? Like you want to just cut cold turkey? The risk of that I is mean, the risk of cutting cold turkey with a lot of these changes is it isolates too many of the fans to where it could in theory figure it out. If, if the Pro Tour did it, if the Pro Tour... Let's go back to live versus post. Okay. If the Pro Tour legitimately cut post-produced, yeah. all, it's all under the Disc Golf Network, the current fan base, the current state of Disc Golf, it, the Pro Tour would legitimately be risking not existing anymore. Can we talk about Apple phones? What about them? You remember when Apple was like, hey, you know those chargers that you have 800 of? Yeah, those aren't going to work for the new phone. And you know how like everyone was like, What? And a lot of people were pissed. But the product they were offering, no one else could match it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, you can't have a worse product. I'm not saying that. We do right now. Well, okay. I, I, if the Pro Tour cut it off right now, there is a legitimate risk of someone else starting a tour with the same amount of money and the fan eyeballs going there, and therefore the players going there and the Pro Tour not existing. I think that they know that they're scared of that. They're aware of that. And therefore they're making the, the plan. You probably are having the same conversations they're having in their boardroom. They're just doing it on a five-year plan and you're doing it on a one no, month it, plan. No, it, it could be true. My, my, that's what I'm, that's all I'm saying is I think a lot of these changes are point, going to happen. It's just, they're not going to happen tomorrow. But my point is like the product, the pro tour already has a leg up in the products because it's live. And there's nothing these post-produce companies... They're still just... No, I know, but I'm saying... The live factor gives them a leg up. Gives them a leg up, but they still can't have stream issues. They still can't have terrible commentary. They still can't have... uh, Oh, sorry, we just can't watch the next four holes because our cell phone service over there is not good. I agree with that completely. Yeah. I'm not saying that's not the case. My point with the whole Apple thing was just you're going to have initially a lot of people be upset about something, right? And be like, gosh, dang it. Like, what the heck? This sucks. And then eventually it just, it kind of like no one talks about it. And I think that's probably the same thing with, with disc golf is like, yeah, if they did make a big move or something, you're going to have a lot of people be upset with it initially. But as long as you have that fo- that core fan base, that's they just going have to do to, it. The other people are going to, I think they just have to make the right moves. That's why I'm saying, I think that from point A to point B, point B being everything's under the disc golf network and point A being where we are right now, instead of it just being A and B, there wasn't a dumb argument. A1, A2, A3, A4, A5, A6 to where it's like A1 might be, hey, instead of next day, we're going to make you wait two days. People will be outraged. Sure. Mm. But not outraged enough. Yeah, I no, I think now, I think what now you're it saying- sits at two days and then, hey, you know what? You got to wait a week. 
people again are outraged because now you just added five days. If you went from a day, from right now to a week, people are outraged enough that it might cause issues. You go from two, three days to a week, not that big of a change. It's a slow change yeah. to get to where you want to go eventually so that the audience at home is slowly moved and slowly welcomed into what is the, the future. The, the, the most interesting thing... That sounded very manipulative, and I guess it kind of is, but, you know. I think, I think the most interesting th- thing in this, and, you know, people in the chat are saying, like, getting rid of... Like, this guy, Zachary, just said, getting rid of Jomez is the wrong move. I think people are missing the point. We don't want to get rid of any of these media companies that are doing a fantastic job of putting coverage out there for disc golf. That's not what I think anyone wants. What, what I think should happen is these media companies, Jomez, Gatekeeper, all that, they should be doing coverage. Like their, their content shouldn't be live coverage or the actual tournament. It should be like the skins matches the mic'd or up these mic'd rounds. up practice rounds or interviews. The profiles. Or yeah, that's what they should be doing and be putting out more content there. And again, like this is where it's kind of weird. Have because, Julie and Germ do a post round wrap up show? Sure. This is where it's funny though, because a lot of these people that are saying all these things about like, no, we want this, we want this. These are the, the same people that are like super supportive of players on tour. Right. And are like, I want to support this player so he can go and tour. Right. When what you're doing right now by saying Jomez, gatekeeper, all that still needs to do post, but what you're basically doing is taking money out of players' pockets long term. Because hear me out. And the way it is right now, yes. And, And where it is right now. And that's where I think there's a disconnect of if you really want what's best for the players on tour and you want them, you know, if you're the person that's going out and buying their tour series discs, if you're the person that's going out and doing all this stuff because you're really wanting to to help the players, then you should be looking at on the coverage side. It would be like when they did that piece on Emerson Keith, when Jomez did that piece on Emerson Keith, right? That helped Emerson's Keith profile in disc golf massively. If they did more stuff like that, that is one going to help the player. And then two, if they're not doing actual coverage and all the coverage was under the disc golf pro tour umbrella, now more money is going to come in sponsor wise. We talked about this earlier. There's going to be more eyeballs. It's going to be easier to sell advertisements and all that. And now prize pools are going to be up higher. So players are going to be making $15,000, $20,000 when they win a tournament instead of six. So that's where it's just weird for me when I see people in the chat talking about like, like, uh, like just getting upset about the whole Jomez thing. It's like, I think what Jomez does is incredible. I did a video with Jomez this year and it was a lot of fun. I think they should do more content like that and focus more on building players uh, personalities, brands and stuff like that on their, on their channel, instead of doing right now, what they're really doing a lot of times is the people that are coming out from uh, uh, the people that are leaving, watching a Jomez video, it, they're, they're talking more about like Yuli and Germ and Sexton, the commentators, right. Then sometimes some the players themselves. So that's where I think if they take the focus and put it more on the players and make content with the players, that's going to help the players a lot more. And then all the eyeballs are on the pro tour live. And then all the post round production and all that stuff is still under the pro tour. And all that money is getting funneled back into the pro tour. Prize pools are going to be bigger. 
players are going to make more money. That's, that's just that if you want players to make more money, that is the easiest well, way of doing it because going on a Jomez video and getting a hundred dollars when they're making 10 to $15,000 off that video or however many much money they're making with Patreon stuff. Well, the like other think, thing, like think about that. So that the behind, if you peel the curtain back a little bit though, yeah. it is starting to trend in the way of players making more money, even through Jomez in an indirect way through the pro tour. Because if you go back five years, mm-hmm. the pro tour, a, I guess was just existing, but tournaments in general, were having to pay coverage companies to come cover their events. Mm-hmm. Right. Some point that transition slowly happened to where now coverage companies are having to pay to come cover the events yep. as it should be. Uh, other side of that, you go back several years. If we wanted to advertise as foundation on Jomez, we would go straight to Jomez say, Hey, we want to advertise with you. We want to run a commercial. We give the money straight to Jomez. Jomez runs the commercial. Now, fast forward. We want to advertise on Jomez for a pro tour event. We go to the pro tour and we buy an ad spot that they have the rights to on Jomez's coverage. Mm-hmm. And we're giving that money to the Pro Tour. So, yes, what you're saying is in a roundabout way can be true because like the AdSense, Patreon, uh, disc sale, stuff like that, sure. That's going straight to Jomez. It's not like that's this type of stuff that if the Pro Tour had the right to that media, they could do whatever. Sure. But money from Jomez coverage is still going into the Pro Tour. It's not like if, yeah, if the no. Jomez coverage happens, every single view isn't providing any money to the Pro Tour. In a roundabout way, it is. And I would imagine that the Pro Tour's eyes are on how to make that more and more over the next several years. You know what I mean? To where they can say, you know, right now, Jomez has a lock on lead card coverage. That might not be true five years from now. It might become a package that the Pro Tour has a bidding war for. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, it should be, yeah. GK Pro or Gatekeeper, if you guys want to pay... 250 grand to have the lead card rights. I just think that's the, that's the steps I'm talking about that will slowly happen to where the post-produced model, right? The model as it is currently won't work financially anymore. And the models you're talking about of all this extra content will be what is necessary to keep the the business running. And that is good for the betterment of the sport. Mm-hmm. But in order for all that to happen, the pro tour has got to get their product figured out first. No, I if agree. the Pro Tour can't get live figured out at every event, commentary figured out at every event at a high, consistent quality level, because Jomez is not going to put out a, like a piece of content that is like randomly in 480p for a hole, and they're like, sorry, guys, we had well, to film no, this on our it's, phone. It's, yeah, it's post-produced. It's way easier. It's the same thing here. Yeah. Us doing live, it's, it's hit or miss sometimes of whether or not this, this is going to come out. Like If you go and watch... All of our live uh, broadcasts, some are going to sound way better. Some are going to look better. Uh, we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. If you go and look at all of our post-produced coverage or videos and stuff, they're all going to look great. They're all going to sound but here's great. My, here's my biggest point of contention with the Pro Tour. This, it's fine for us to try to figure this out, have echoey audio and stuff like that, because these people are watching for free right we're now. We're not charging. If, the, if this was behind yep. a paywall and this is a live stream that this is what they're paying this for specifically. If this was happening on the, yeah, if we started the Bogey Bo banter, you know, where people well, are, not it's a little bit different. It's a little, it's a little different, different, different because that's a part of multiple things. But if, but if still, the five bucks a month more. was just the Bogey Bro banter yes. and we're and like, the sorry guys, banter, this we're week, like, uh, 
Sorry, the we dropped the ball. Didn't work. Yeah, we're then, trying to stream on a something else. It's not working. That's huge. Then when it doesn't you, work. When you charge for a product, you have to deliver. People are going. Yeah, people are because there's multiple people who better. tune in on Friday, mm-hmm. see a bad product, and they're out. It's going to take years to get that person back. Mm-hmm. You, I, to me, I think that yes, everything that we've said and we're talking about is the future, but we cannot jump ship yet. It's not time to transition fully into only live only because that I think would come to the detriment of the disc golf pro tour. No, I don't think there will ever be an only live no, era. I don't think there will ever that's be the main, that. I'm, I'm guess I'm saying where that's the main oh. point of the main way when you're, if you're going to watch well, an event, you're going live. Yeah. I mean, that's good. We're not there. The thing is, it's going to take so much time because again, it's one of those things where, I, uh, where we talked about how the majority of people in disc golf right now have been in disc golf for a long time. Yeah. But eventually, that will not be the case. I'll put my point at this, too. There are more people coming into the, f- the sport right now at a much alarming rate yeah. to where eventually those numbers will If I was an flip. outside company, right, and right now I'm not looking, this wouldn't exactly make sense because, of course, you'd look at future projections. But if I was going to buy an asset in disc golf on disc golf media, okay, mm, would I per- what is worth more, the disc golf network or Jomez? Jomez is worth way more. I can already answer that. Wait, are you talking long term or just right now? Right now, if I was coming in and not I had looking to, at long term, not looking at long term. Yeah, I'm Jomez. saying Jomez for sure. Yeah, it's also right now the less risky option because again, if the disc golf network, the problem though with Jomez right now, I'll, I'll just say this: the problem with Jomez right now though is if the disc golf pro tour got like bought out, not bought out, but like if someone came in and said, "Hey, we want to run all coverage," what is Jomez filming? That's what I'm saying. That's where that's, the, that that's is the, the problem. Well, that's the problem I think for the pro tour that the pro tour has to figure out is if that happened, right? Wait, why is that a problem? L- let me explain this. They're getting if, massive amounts of money. If it happened where someone came in and said, we're cutting off like Steve Dodge tried to do, we're cutting off. No, 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 no. This is different. No, I'm talking about an outside company and yes. ESPN, a Fox, a CBS comes in and where says, they're broadcasting to their yes, audience. We want, Hey, we want to, Control yes. all coverage. Okay. Here's a one point five million dollars. Okay. See that's that's, what, that's what I'm talking. I'm not if talking that happens, about. Sure. I'm not talking about Jeff Spring saying I'm we saying, are now controlling everything. I'm talking about an outside entity. Foundation. Foundation comes in and says we want everything. Yeah. So that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. But right now, what the Pro Tour has to realistically be nowhere, considering, we're nowhere near that. No. By the way, what the Pro Tour has to realistically consider is right now, if Jomez was cut off from the pro tour and they had their pool of fans and the pro tour had their pool of fans and Jomez were to say, Hey, Steve Dodge or UC, UC, let's start back up the world tour. We will do all the coverage for it. You just get the events. Mm. Where would the eyeballs go? Where would the fans go? And where would the money follow? It would, if the money, it's where follows, the players are, it's where, exactly, the, pla- it's where so the players the, go. But that's the question is if the players went with Jomez, which is what was starting to happen in 2016, players were boycotting the pro tour to go side with Jomez. If that happened again mm-hmm. and it followed and the world tour started back up, UC started back up like, heck yeah, let's do this. Jomez is on board. They sign a few players of like, Hey, you're exclusively playing the world tour this year. Yep. Hype, 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 hype. Yeah. Where almost pro turns, tour is gone. Where it almost turns like MMA where there's a bunch of different promotions. Yeah, there's that's, Bellator, I think there's UFC. There's that is what stuff. the pro tour is worried. 
if I had to guess, I'm saying that is what the Pro Tour is playing it slow for, mm. to say, if we go to make that move, we need to make that move over years and years, where our fan base is now kind of level, to where when that move happens, we have enough fan base and eyeballs and all of that that will stick with us. Because right now, I don't think they do. I also, think if that were to happen, it wouldn't uh, work. Also, there's some people confused with what I was, I guess, talking about, about like an outside production coming in and saying, hey, we want to own all the viewers. Like... That's what happens literally in every other sport. Yeah, that's why. So, like, it's not. Like that's someone, why someone says that that creative control is a terrible idea. The way that that's that why the phrased. final four is. I don't know if only I, on certain. Yeah, things. I don't know if I phrased. I don't think I phrased that wrong, right? No, that's what would happen. Like, someone would come in and say, "Hey, they buy the broadcasting we, rights." Yeah, to, we want to be the only ones to broadcast this event. Yeah, that's what. Like, I mean, I guess in football they sell different things, but like the primetime Monday Night Football is on CBS, right? Or Fox? Is or maybe it Fox changes? Issue? Yeah, I think it changes. Maybe but it's that's NBC. A bidding thing. It might be NBC. But that's a bidding thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it probably does change. Yeah. I'm sure I think Fox, it actually might even change week from week. If Yeah, if someone came in and bidded. But I guarantee you, if CBS came in and said, hey, NFL, we'll pay to have Monday Night Football's exclusively us all season long. Here's X amount of money. NFL tweeting... The only thing Possibly I could the only, thing, the only thing I could think of is there might be some sort of like law stuff like oh, contracts like equal. keeping yeah keeping it from you know some broadcast being able to control all that stuff I don't know exactly but um, the the big thing is like I don't I don't think I don't think excluding or trying to take away media from disc golf right now is smart right? Like there needs to be more. There yeah. needs to be more people putting content out there. There needs to be more people talking about it, more journalists talking about it, more stories coming out. Um, and, and me and me, me and Trevor were talking about this earlier is like, there aren't really any stories. Like you don't ever really hear like stories coming out like you do in other sports. And obviously there's way more people paying attention and way more money involved to where there's like people trying to get the click clickbait titles and all that stuff. But outside of like actually what like you see, that's really all you ever get. There's very few times where like, I mean like who's writing stories? Alti world. -world. Occasionally will write stories. Udisc has some stuff out. Udisc puts a, puts like, I don't know if it's weekly, but they put out blogs. Yeah. But I think, I think more is better right now. I think that the thing that I'm, my big thing is if we can create these media companies to be more like other media companies and other sports and not broadcasting and media companies, if that makes sense. Um, I, I think that would be the win for everyone. Well, sweet. I still I think, know. I think that we could do it. It's an, so funny. I think so many people get so, I think so we, amped up. we need to do a theme debate night of coverage, right? Where everyone who calls in, everything we talk about is coverage. So we can, Hey, this guy just gave us five bucks. He says, where are foundation pop post round recaps? Yeah. Where are those? <laughs> we were doing them. I think they're good. Here's I the think, hardest thing with that. It's just the timing is personnel. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because right now foundation, we're a small enough company that like me as an owner, I have no time coming in at eight o'clock, Yeah, but I would be asking Connor and Trevor to work seven to three cause we need them full time and then, and then show up for at eight o'clock and also be watching the coverage when they got home. They would have to watch. Yeah. That's the issue is like, we almost need to have, and we will. I think, you know, it, there's we're, definitely we're, plans for a lot more stuff like that down the line. It's just 
we are two or three hires away from stuff like that being a lot more possible. Yeah. There, to answer your question, everyone right now that's working for a foundation is wearing a lot of hats. Like if you email customer service, you're emailing Trevor. Shh. They know when they when Trevor responds, it says Trevor stop. But I'm saying like, but yeah, that's the if thing. you email marketing, you're literally talking straight to me. Yeah, there's a lot like of the, there's a lot of people wearing a lot of different hats, and to think like, oh, let's just put another hat on right now. Like this was another hat. Yeah, like you weren't doing this a couple of weeks ago. This is just another thing of you coming in here. So we're slowly getting there, and again, all your guys' support and all that helps us a lot. Uh, so if you haven't yet go over to Apple podcasts, <laughs> drop a five star review. And, uh, also, yeah, let's just recap real quick. If you're just tuning in, we're giving away this, uh, dark horse undertaker. Once we hit a hundred Apple podcast reviews, so go over to Apple podcast, drop us a review. Appreciate that. And then if you haven't subscribed yet to the foundation podcast channel, which is the one you're watching right now, it has grip locked Nick and Matt show and debate night, all three podcasts right here. Once we hit 15,000 subscribers, we're going to be giving away this sweet photon zone. Um, so we got those going on and we'll continue as, as it grows. We'll continue to do more giveaways. I love giveaways. So, Heck yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this was a good one. I, I think, I think you're right. I think we do need moving forward. I do think we need a full like coverage debate night. Yeah. And maybe if we kind of let people know like, Hey, this is what we're going to be talking about. Maybe we get someone from Joe Mez to call in. Maybe we get someone from the disc golf pro tour to call in. Maybe we get some commentators to call in. Um, cause I think that's one thing that we are, uh, I'll, I mean, I think it's obvious, but I haven't said it. So maybe I'll say it. Like I do understand the people that right now are in the commentary booth did not go to school for journalism have no training whatsoever. Like, I don't think right now if, if the pro tour is like, Hey Brody, do you want to do commentary? I don't think I'm going to be going through any sort of class or any sort of workshops or any sort of anything. I think I literally would just go straight into the booth and I would just start going. I would try to do my best, but I don't really know. I mean, and, and that's another thing. It's a huge difference between knowing what you should do and actually being able to do it live. So I do, I mean, we give them a hard time and stuff. And I think it's not so, don't take it so personal that we're saying like, this person's bad, this person's bad. It's more on the grand scheme of things of where it would be, I think, very useful for the pro tour to have someone come in. The disc golf network has has a position right now that I don't think they realize how valuable it is, which is to offer someone the potential to be the voice of disc golf for the future. Like whoever they hire that is like the color commentary or uh, play-by-play, I mean, commentary person legitimately has the tr- the opportunity to be the voice of disc golf forever. And I think that's more when I ever come in commentary, the people who are doing it, like you said, a lot of times we're just kind of thrown in by force almost. Like it would be like, if, like for the Blue Ridge disc golf tour, Trevor and I had to do commentary because like we were the only ones that could. And it's like, if that was a tour that like took off and then out of nowhere, we're doing the commentary for thousands of people watching live. And it's like, uh, we, yeah, I mean, you, we've been doing this for years, but like we, we never meant to be here Yeah. versus you hire someone who went to journalism school and you're like, Hey, you can be the voice of disc golf forever for the future of X amount, however many years and be one of the iconic commentators mm-hmm. in the sport. If you're willing to bet on disc golf, I think that that's something that I don't know. That I think that should be a whole different podcast. I think that's a great, great Nate, idea. Nate Sexton is actually really good, though. Yes, 
And I think as more and, players and retire, Charlie Eisenhower, uh, Eisenhower, Eisenhower, Eisenhood. As more players yeah. retire, like as Nate Sexton is completely done playing and he's focused and he's able to be the commentator, I think things will change too. Because I think there are like more and more talented players, but right now they play week in and week but out. But again, those are guys that are adding adding to the commentary. They aren't the ones that are like the play by play people. They aren't. They aren't. They're not the play by play. They're not. Yeah, play by play, and also people that like kind of can flow and and when there is something that like no there's no talking they know what to say or putting it to commercial break or coming back like there is an art to it and you can definitely tell when people know what they're doing and when people don't and uh yeah i think they'll they'll eventually figure it out all right well that's gonna wrap it up for this week's uh episode hopefully you enjoyed a lot longer show than we normally try to do but you know you never know who puts debate, time constraints on these things. Debate night, you never know what you never happen, know what you're going to get. So we really appreciate each and every one of you tuning in live. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us that review. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you. Well, actually, you have a sign off. You said you're going to be doing UFC callouts every sign off every episode. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I just want to say, you know, thanks for everyone that called in tonight. Uh, we appreciate it. But I will say there were more questions than debates. And again, so many people in the chat disagreeing, calling us names. It's really easy to do that behind a keyboard. But can you do it on a phone? Can you put it into words? Mono e mono. So if you're out there watching, if you're out there listening, and you want to call in, I'm here, 8 o'clock Eastern, next week, Tuesday night. See you there. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.